The Koi Gig Pod. For me, it's difficult because if Chelsea aren't playing well or they need something to get someone to get them out of it, I don't think they have it. So I think they're in a difficult place. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Right, you're very welcome along. It is Monday morning and it's time for OTBAM. We're here uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed every morning of the week, Monday to Friday from half past seven all the way through until ten. And as ever, if you'd like to get in touch, you can text the show 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number or you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream or, of course, you can also get us on Twitter at OffTheBallAM. Before we start the show and before we get into the performance rankings, we do just want to send our condolences to the uh, Kearns family and to everybody involved with the Offaly senior football team. Uh, the news broke last night that Liam Kearns had passed away suddenly and uh, they issued a statement last night to the Offaly County Board saying they were devastated to learn of the sudden passing this evening of our senior football manager, Liam Kearns. In his short period of time as manager of the senior footballers, Liam made a hugely positive impact and he was extremely well respected by everyone associated with Offaly GA. Offaly GA extends our deepest sympathies to his wife, Angela, and daughters, Rachel and Laura. May he rest in peace. And we'd obviously like to send our uh, sympathies to everybody from... Um, from Kerry from uh, Tralee from um, the Limerick team that really shot to national prominence under his leadership uh, the Tipperary team who fairly similarly um, seemed to overachieve he was with Leash and obviously a GA man to the core um, loads of messages coming in from all around the country for the various lives that Liam Kearns has touched and so we obviously send our best wishes to everybody who uh, is bereaved this morning um, but at 7.31 let's get into the performance rankings you know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity. Right, it is uh, 7.32. Kenny Cunningham is with us. We've, um, we haven't gone with the lead here. Kenny, good morning to you. Not bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. No, I thought you were a morning person. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> the only part of that statement I agree with I'm here. Here in body. <laughs> yeah. Are you not a morning person? No, I'm all right, to be honest with you, yeah. No, I'm all right in the mornings. Yeah. It's as good as it gets, actually. Okay. Slagging yeah. off my yoghurt this morning as well. We'll be the judge of that, though. I, I'm good, Jared. Don't worry. And, and uh, the YouTube commenters will essentially uh, decide. They're the ones who'll... Uh, before we get into the performance rankings, this is some fairly obvious stuff. Um... Not in the green this morning, apart from an Irish goodbye, the Irish Oscar hopefuls. You weren't that surprised, though? Um, I'd hoped. Uh, uh, Barry Keoghan, obviously, and um, uh, the uh, Irish actors, I thought they'd have a fighting chance, but I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you, no. Yeah, it would have been great, obviously, great recognition for them, but no, no, I wasn't I wasn't hugely surprised. Uh, you weren't a fan of... Banshees. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the uh, the film itself, to be honest with you. The storyline couldn't quite buy into the storyline we were talking about there previously, weren't we? I just couldn't, didn't quite get the the buy. And that was interesting, the relationship between the two kind of main characters, was all those kind of similar intentions around the film was well shot and all all that type of stuff. And yeah, but no, didn't, I couldn't quite, couldn't quite buy it. You haven't, you've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, I thought it was meh. It's like the films, meh. Really, lads, yeah. Films, Did you well, like Martin McDonald's other works? Barry Kogan, very good. Well, I loved him, Bruce. Uh, I 
I, I thought Three Billboards was decent. I liked it a lot. Seven Psychopaths? Very good. It. It's Haven't very seen good. It. Yeah, it's worth Went to see Hangman uh, in the Gaiety on Saturday night. I, th- that was, I was like, this is much better. Brilliant. <laughs> this is much better. No Paddy Wackery in this. <laughs> now, maybe if you're from the north of England, you're like, oh my God, look at all the cliches. But I don't know. I don't know. So, Hangman worth going to see in the Gaiety, I would say. Okay. I haven't been into the theatre in a while. I've got to be honest with you. Yeah, you might be right. I'll keep an eye out. Right. Yeah, it's a disgrace. I think they've stung us, the academy, haven't they? I mean, we were all there going, we're going we're gonna to sweep up. It's like... Who did sweep up? Do you mind me asking you? It somebody was ev- everything up. everywhere all at once has won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, yeah. I want to say. Um, so it swept up. I think it was eight, eight awards in total? Um, Seven or eight. eight. Eight awards, I think. So Brendan Fraser won for The Whale. Mm. And I don't know what else. That was, that was basically it. You said we uh, short, was a short film. Short film, uh, Irish and Irish goodbye was the uh, the winning short film, which is great because like you know that's them all on the path now to massive careers. And I think the fact that on Colin Cune was there and they've been there all week, like you know who knows where that's going to take everybody involved in that. But they felt comfortable. They looked comfortable. They looked like they were supposed to be there and they yeah. weren't overawed by the occasion. So great for their careers as well and I think like ultimately you know you're in you're like the, every you're in the conversation Jared, isn't it as long as you're in the conversation people that's all are talking that matters, about yeah. You, yeah yeah I think yeah it's a win-win to some extent isn't it uh, this is the performance rankings though so let's start with um, I'm going to run through these BBC and Liverpool and Red Man United and Amber France and Ireland in the green we're going to start with the green yeah I think. We've, we've only done this on special occasions but uh, it feels like a special enough occasion that we should flip the Flip the whole uh, rules and, and put Ireland first in green because it's probably the talking point of the morning. So, I mean, what a performance yesterday. Uh, now, it was tetchy at times and we got over the line. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Mac Hansen, will we start there? What, what, what do you say about him? I saw him getting 10 out of 10 in some Oof. player ratings yesterday, which was uh, a rare thing to see. But The, the um, player ratings, I think, I think we can all agree the player ratings are now officially bullshit because they gave Caelan Doris five, even though he played like 12 minutes and produced one of the greatest moments of athleticism I've ever seen in a field of play from somebody in a green jersey. Like the, the steal and the subsequent, uh, it was absolutely sensational. So uh, I'm, I'm out on player ratings. If someone isn't on long enough... For that and they've, I, it just no you give, you give Matt Hansen a mark out of 10 then in your opinion uh, Hansen Hansen I don't know Hansen's a 9 no. or, or an 8 I think but to give Caelan well, Doris 5 eight. he's more than an 8 isn't he well, I, I don't know he was um, near perfection he actually wasn't Nathan Johns in the Irish Times is pointing out that he, he lost the ball several different occasions but it, like that near just, perfection it's high risk you know um, and I mean I think van der Fleer is is that not a ten for Van der Fleer? It's like I'm going to throw the ball in now, and I'm also going to still be the number seven, and I'm also going to then be the hooker at the back of the mall whenever, I, like, because I've thrown it. I thought that was like that was that right? They were they were pretty good. Also, Jefferson Gibson Park, it turns out, yeah, very 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 important. To the Brought team. a bit of control to the whole thing, didn't he? When he came on, like Conor Murray did brilliantly yesterday. Um, but then when you see Gibson Park coming off the bench, you're like, okay, this is this is good. We yeah, have some strength and depth. I, I have to say, I think that the single most important thing in all of this is Andy Farrell. Like so, the players are great and the depth is great. But I don't know if you noticed during the week, and we're going to talk about this with Quinny. Uh, we've talked before on the show about um, Ireland got beaten by Scotland. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, Scotland scored two tries in the first fifteen minutes, and then afterwards it emerged that we'd been late. The bus had been late. There hadn't been the right police escort or something. And Joe Schmidt made a big deal of this in the aftermath, you know. And it was like, you know, in fairness, he got his revenge in the World Cup when his Ireland team smacked Scotland down. And I'd say he used that. As part of it, but this week, Andy Farrell spoke about. Oh, there was one time our bus got delayed when I was a player, and we got changed on the bus. And we got warmed up on the bus, and we came out. And we crushed a great Leeds team, 
because we just took it, you know, we, we took it on the chin. We were prepared for all eventualities and we actually, we welcomed that. And all along, anytime one of our players got injured, like, yeah, oh, great, somebody else is going to get a chance. Mm. We thrive in adversity. We enjoy adversity. And then in the midst of like, everybody's like, collapsed. Andy Farrell's like, this is, this is what we've trained for. This is it. This is your moment to shine. Yeah. Keane Healy, you get in there and you be a hooker. Now, there's a, there's a stroke of genius there in like, which Bernard Jackman was the only person for who I first saw explain exactly what was happening. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But I just think Andy Farrell is, a, a, you know, he's approaching levels of I agree with you, yeah. emotional intelligence, yeah. uh, tactical and technical planning, an ability to take in legends of the game as part of his backroom team and feel emboldened by the fact that he's leaning on them as opposed to, and that they're getting credit. He's not feeling in any way diminished by that. He's not protective. Yeah. I just think that um, Andy Farrell, these, this is Andy Farrell's win as much as anything that's ever happened in Irish rugby has ever been associated with one individual like the team was excellent yeah. but it's it's him yeah I think he's hugely impressive yeah every interview that he does yeah he kind of embraces it you know all the pressure like you're talking it kind of turns it around we spoke about it before Sean I think didn't we like you know mm. no negatives there was always a positive spin like you know what I mean always setting targets you know setting um, yeah targets for the players and stuff yeah it's great it's great to see control the controllables and then when the uncontrollables happen control them too that seems to be the the attitude he has, nothing like they were talking about his, his halftime team talk yesterday. Speech was apparently very uh, inspiring, um, but like they were a disjointed second half, and then you're seeing so many players out of position. You're thinking, this is it. This is adversity. This is a game against Scotland where you have to win to keep the Grand Slam, slam hopes alive, and they just rose to the occasion. Even Jack Conan, Jack Conan didn't expect to be playing for that long, and he did brilliantly. Scores his try as well. Um, there's just so many moments in that in that second half where you're thinking, right, this this is brilliant. This is in Murrayfield as well. I mean, you're shutting up the crowd. And by the way, the weekend started with a an 82 points to seven trouncing by the under twenties uh, on Friday night in Scotstown, and that was that was a sign that everything all is good in Irish rugby at the moment. Uh, I was reading the Scotsman paper this morning. Their review of the match, and they're like, clearly there are some things in in the Scottish underage systems that we aren't doing that the Irish are. Um, so for that to be transferred then to the to the senior pitch at Murrayfield at the weekend was. Was fantastic. So what is that, Shane, in terms of the underage talent? Is that in terms of a bit of everything? Like the talent pool is there. There's a quality of uh, coaching, that environment thing, the whole thing from the top down. From the manager we've been talking about, there does his influence extend his tentacles down into the twenties and beyond? Uh, that's a very complicated question. It's a bit of everything, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think primarily it's resource. There are almost endless resources in the schools where these players are part-time students and part-time rugby players mm. from the time that they're in school yeah. and that's producing players who are ready to step up to the Leinster Academy and the Munster Academy yeah. and then when they play for Ireland at under 20 level they've had like a long period where they've, been, yeah, yeah. they've been conditioned As to professionals yeah. almost have been yeah. uh, you'd have to say your style of, and the style of play is like very progressive and mm. so it's it's capable of dealing with whatever the opposition are throwing at you so it's not like we have one specific style of play and we're only ever able to do that so it's look it's definitely multifactorial you would say yeah. but like the money the money that is available because the IRFU don't have to spend that money the Leinster branch don't have to spend the money it's schools that are spending the money. And so there's full-time coaches in the schools at a level that um, is uh, unusual. Certainly, it's not replicated in many other sports, you know. Like, by the way, like it was 82-7, but it, it, could have been, it could have been triple figures. And, and Scotland probably deserved credit in the second half for, 
for not allowing it to get completely out of hand, although it was fairly out of hand. Like I was down at the IRFU High Performance Centre in Abbottstown recently enough for a uh, there was a press conference with Jack Conan and Simon Easterby, and like that morning, the twenties had played the seniors in a fairly no holds barred match, and they, they seem to do that reasonably regularly during the Six Nations that they kind of give the twenties an opportunity to test themselves against the senior team. I presume Scotland do that as well, but I mean I'm sure even like in soccer level, under twenty ones play the seniors. You'd imagine fairly yeah. regularly. So it's even a club, even at club football, I, I remember being in like in the reserves or the U, you know around the U team. And you'd step up the first team manager to call the kids over for eleven v eleven as we would. They'd want to set up tactics. They need eleven bodies, and you'd go up there and be pretty intense. Maybe fifteen twenty minutes, you'd kind of go at it. But great, great experience, you know, for that small amount of time you're on the pitch with the with the senior pros. Was that up against Vinnie Jones and and <laughs> Flash New? And no, no, no. I was in my twenties by then, to be fair. <laughs> but now I just think it's great just to come up against them and just see how they operate, how they kind of carry themselves, and see the level where you need to to be, the kind of strides you need to make, all of that type of thing. You know, I know it's only a small thing, but yeah, I've watched a bit of that under twenty. Didn't see a Friday night now the other twenties game, but I've watched a couple of them previously. I've really enjoyed it. Mm. And almost at a point where you're like, whoa, you're looking out for it. The under twenties game, like you know what I mean. Generally, traditionally, you've got to stumble upon that type of game, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be too much. Well, there's there. a Grand Slam decider for them now as well on, yeah. on uh, Friday night, so no doubt that'll be... Uh, I, that's already sold out, I think. It sold out weeks ago. Yeah, um, to win a second Grand Slam in a row, by the way, as well, which would be seriously impressive. Um, many players... Who, many we lost. We lost a few players. I was running around yesterday in the game yesterday afternoon. I only caught a bit of the game in town. I met a friend of mine. The bloody, I said it yesterday. The Man United game was on one big screen. The rugby... Was on there a lot of hairy scots from behind me. Really shouted, so it was all a bit of madness in there. Couldn't quite focus on either game, to be honest with you. I think it's still to be decided exactly in the immediate aftermath. Andy Farrell came out and gave like a, a, a list of everything. Ronan Kelleher, it looks like, is gone. He seems to have suffered a recurrence of the injury that kept him out for a fairly significant portion of time. So that would be very worried about that. Um, obviously, there's no prospect of Gary Ringrose. Um, returning next week uh, so we're still waiting properly for an update on him he said Doris probably would be okay to play but again that's in the immediate aftermath you've got to wait until today to see how oh, sore he is minimum like, yeah. um, and there was already a cast on Ian Henderson's arm so he's definitely gone that was a broken wrist and then there was a couple of others after that uh, who I wasn't sure about. Uh, but would you really? Are you really kind of? I mean, it, it was a prior to the Welsh game. Was the first game of this this thing in terms? They were. I wouldn't say dropping like flies, but there was a few key pullouts there. Wasn't leading up and a bit like you're saying about Farrell. No problem. Yeah, not an issue. Yeah. it's perfect prep for a World it Cup. Seamless, you, you, need, you need these things to happen. Like nothing's going to go well. Nothing's going to go perfectly. Sorry, in a World Cup. I think the team who gets the most luck with the injuries in the World Cup is the team who is left standing at the mm. end. Largely, like if you end up with, you know two-thirds of your first team still available for a World Cup semi-final, quarter-final, final, then you're probably going to be okay. Whereas, you know, if you get unlucky and five players go down in one game and there's already two or three missing, then you're you're probably screwed. So, I, I think, so in the green, Ireland, yeah? 100%. I'm sorry, Robbie Henshaw returning as well. Robbie Henshaw, massive, yeah. Massive. So, and they're going to absolutely need Robbie Henshaw now next week because um, Gary Ringrose is gone, obviously. It was a horrific-looking injury that Gary Ringo suffered. So um, Johnny Sexton gets to the equal Rogers points record. There he is holding the uh, the centenary quitch. Do any of you know what a quitch is? Is that some Harry Potter? 
<laughs> that's Quidditch. Quidditch. Oh, <laughs> Close enough, though, Kenny. Um, I, I like your, your method of thinking. It's actually a, an ancient Gaelic drinking vessel in Scotland with two handles that they apparently hand to the, the winner of the Ireland-Scotland Six Nations match every year. I mean, that had, oh. that had completely passed me by. But uh, Sexton <laughs> looked delighted to pick up the centenary quitch yesterday. So, uh, yeah, Ireland in the green, I think well-deserved. So keep the comments on that uh, win coming, coming in. Uh, also in the green, France. Now, I'm just quite glad that we're not playing France next weekend and that it's England we're, not, we're, we're playing... Uh, in Dublin, but uh, France hadn't won in the Six Nations at Twickenham since 2005, and they kind of showed how why and how they're number two in the world. A uh, bit of a demolition job on uh, England, 24 point lead at the break, and they and they run out very very comfortable winners in the end. Antoine Dupont, uh, Matt Dawson on BBC Radio Five Live comparing them to um, Messi, Ronaldo, Zidane, and the Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger yesterday. So that's not a bad comparison. Uh, kind of sums up how well Antoine Dupont played in that game against uh, France or against England. England just weren't at the races. Um, like Mark, the Marcus Smith risk at, at fly half just didn't seem to work. Uh, conditions weren't great, but 53 points to 10. Bit of an embarrassment for Steve Borthwick and his England players. Where do you stand, Kenny, on, on teams coming out and apologising to the fans afterwards? What's your take on... Because uh, they've come out and they've apologised to the, the... I mean, tickets to Twickenham, they ain't cheap. Mm. They're like... They, the 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 point was that they got so high that people were like complaining about the cost of tickets. Now the rugby crowd in England, you you know, traditionally they just they paid the money to go to HQ and yeah. sing their swing lows, and uh, they were all happy enough with it. But players uh, yeah, need to, to apologise. Question, yeah, I cringe a little bit to be honest with you. Um, players and management, to be honest with you, I can understand it. It's an easy one. Gets you a little bit of credit, I think, with the with the fans. You know what I mean. But uh, no, I, I do cringe. Fair enough, come out. Look, that was unacceptable. I make sure that kind of never happens again. We're gonna, you know, knuckle down and you know, you know, some, some harsh words will be spoken. And we're that's supporters unacceptable. too. Yeah, that's unacceptable. We understand. I understand all that. But yeah, that kind of that kind of throwaway when in terms of on behalf of the players, we just like to. Oh, I'm cringing before I even hear the words. And I've I've given some abject individual performances like over the over the years when I played, but. Yeah, I could never quite bring myself to... Yeah, because it's not. You're going out there with the best of intentions, aren't you? And, and, and whatever you've prepared as best you can. And for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't happen. You know, you lose confidence during the game. And, you know, disillusionment, disappointment, all those things kind of set in and affect performance. But it's never kind of a conscious thing, Jared, isn't it? In terms of, you know, that type of performance, which we've all put in, like individually at times. You yeah. know what I mean? You're, you're beating yourself up. You, are, you know, you feel as if you've let everybody down. But... Yeah, I, it always feels a little bit like um, I apologise if I've offended you. Do you know? It's like yeah. uh, it's not. It's yeah, not real. Exactly. It's nothing, well, it happened yeah. on Friday night at Talca Park. Shells nil, Shamrock Rovers nil, and Graham Burke was involved in a bit of a um, tense exchange with some Rovers fans after the match behind the goal. A few words were exchanged, and some of the Rovers fans were letting him and his teammates know how they felt about the the performance, the result. So I mean, far this season, so Rovers, Rovers fans have had like a pretty unbridled well, period thing. of success. Yeah, do you, you know? get greedy then? Like, are, like yeah, you're so used to winning that you can't take not winning. Maybe. Uh, uh, look, if something got said in the heat of the moment that you're apologising for, that's different. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't see the Graham Burke incident. I don't know what the outcome of it is. Mm. Um, and like, it's okay for fans to have expectations, but like, I don't know this whole England coming out and uh, apologising. Like, 
Sorry, Jay, I was going to reference the kind of, yeah, just thought of it, the, like the United Liverpool thing, wasn't it? There was a little bit of a commotion after, it was kind of Varane, wasn't it? Yeah. On the pitch, like, made a big You weren't thing. having this last week. You need, yeah, we mentioned it was a last, yeah, we were in here, weren't we? And even that for me, it's a little bit like you were saying, I'm sorry if I'm a fan, you know, dragging the lads that you need to go out and acknowledge and clap the the fans, but, it, you know, it, internally you're like, you know, you're devastated, you're, you're embarrassed by the performance and all, so not going out and clapping the fans... You know what I mean? You know, someone who goes out and kind of claps the fans, or fair play to him, as opposed to the one who's totally devastated in the dressing room, like totally embarrassed feels like, you know, that type of thing as well. You yeah, know, it's a little bit show. It's yeah. show a little bit, you know what I mean? That yeah. type of thing. I'd, I'd prefer them to have played better during the game than now be like the ones who are um, rushing to have the Instagram post going, oh, sorry about that. We didn't quite fulfil our potential today, but we will be back. And other such positive aphorisms. Mm-hmm. Love, I never used to laugh, be honest with you. I laugh. never remember clapping at any time coming off the football pitch. Very rarely. You probably <laughs> prove me wrong now. I can Google or YouTube or whatever. But yeah, for that reason, like you know, that I never wanted that in my head. I when you were to, captain, though, it's different. Was it? Was it different? Surely, Lansdowne like, Road, you would have clapped coming off different times. Kenny, I was in those I crowds. Don't, I, don't rem- I don't remember. No. I've got to no. I've got to be honest with you. I, only because of that, you start clapping, then suddenly the week after, it's like, oh, he hasn't gone and clapped. Well, Kenny, I was, I was a little kid in those out. crowds. I was a little kid in those crowds who, who went there, drove down from Manon with my dad. He's that one in a few times, Jay. He's thrown it out. All the way to the match. <laughs> and you won't, even, you won't even clap us for coming down all, and paying for the tickets. My dad worked hard for those tickets. You know? Show. Show, Jay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Fergus Kiosk says, so annoying. We'll soon be expecting people to apologise for not apologising. Uh, this is true. It's just the world we live in, isn't it? Yeah, and we haven't even spoken about Gary Lineker exactly we'll get to that we'll move on because there's some interesting stuff to come in the performance reckons but uh, in the amber we'll briefly touch on Manchester United because um, I mean they're now 8 points ahead of Liverpool rather than 7 at the start of the weekend but when you're home to the bottom team in the Premier League and uh, you only come away with a point it's a disappointment isn't it really um, it wasn't a great it, it, look it was actually a decent nil-nil um, the positive probably com- coming out of it was Gavin Bazuna's performance he was brilliant um, arguably man of the match for me he kept out uh, Bruno Fernandes in the second half with a lovely save to his bottom left knocked it off the post and went out for a corner uh, stopped Varane in the first half at one point as well Rashford uh, early on too so uh, Gavin Bazzini's performance would really give you confidence heading into that France game uh, but from Manchester United's perspective Casemiro red card I think was the was the game changer he now gets a four game ban from domestic action as well because it's his second red card in, uh, in, in recent uh, month or two so uh, I don't know what he's made of the incident, but um, Ten Hag not happy whatsoever. What with do you mean? What do we make of the incident of the nailed on most nailed on red card of all time? Oh, call it the most nailed on red card of all time. Oh, you're allowed to break people's chins now, are you? He didn't. That's totally legitimate. But he didn't do that. No, I mean it's a complete shin breaker of a tackle. The so you're not, you're not legitimately sitting here as a Man United fan saying he shouldn't have been sent off. Anthony Taylor gave a yellow card at first glance. That was that was the referee's on field decision. Yeah, and then the VAR go maybe yeah have a look at that. Yeah, and then he gives. We think co- we think that's one of the most egregious screw ups no. that we've seen for a referee so far. You're going to have to go back and give him a red there, man, because that's idiotic. Some of the tackles in the Chelsea game, the day oh, what a battery, worse. what a battery, yeah, what a battery. Come on, but is it, was it not a red? Are you honestly saying that wasn't a red? Uh, I think yellow would have been would have been fair. Would have been ridiculous. Honestly, he's over the top of the ball. He's over the top of the ball, and so how? Well, he gets the ball and then comes over the top of it. Yeah, because he's cause and, he, and clearly he's tackled the ball at the top. Look, my look, it's circular, a circular round thing. If you kick it at the top, you're gonna go, you're gonna springboard like a trampoline. He trampolines off the football into the shit of the player. Look, it wasn't, and you're like, oh, he got the ball. 
Exactly. Five hundred games in La Liga, and Casemiro never gets a straight red card, and all of a sudden he gets he's, he's two red cards is in the he, Premier is League. He phoned it in. Is that your implication? No, I, I don't think so. I think maybe the Premier League officiating is different to La Liga. He's, he's, not, a dirty, he's think, not a dirty player generally. Yeah, I think what he'll find down the Premiership, quick, slightly quicker nature uh, of the football over here. And as good a player that he is, if there's a small uh, weakness in Casemiro's game, is his lack of athleticism in terms of being able to get around the pitch. Mm. And I think in certain games, he's not going to dominate possession at Manchester United as he did at that Real Madrid team. So defensively, he's going to he's going to have to, he's going to be exposed a little bit more. And we've seen the qualities which he has, but at times he's going to get found out a little bit in terms of being able to cover the ground uh, quickly. And where you're going to find with him, you will find those kind of bit of a lunging tackles with him mm. for that reason because he's not he's not the greatest athlete in the world. And his his reading of the game is great. His time in general of the tackles is very good. A bit like Fabina, but it has to be because he hasn't got the ability really to uh, cover the ground, plant his feet and really head in the opposite direction. So it's a little bit all or nothing with him for me at times in terms of his tackling. I think too you have to bear in mind that with Cruz and Modric, it's like genuinely world-class players that he's playing with all the time. That's not the case at Manchester United until they sign players of a similar standard. And so uh, he's doing more work. He's He's... he's he's been asked to do more and there's going to be instances like this yeah, exactly Def- that's, that's what I'm talking about defensively he's going to be kind of more exposed and by and large I think he's done really well but uh, yeah I think that's I wouldn't call him a massive weakness in his game you know what I mean but he hasn't got that he hasn't got that speed of foot like Kante at his best you know what I mean can travel over Doesn't never see Kante on his backside yeah. you know Jordan is great doesn't have to be because he knows he can get, cover the distance quick he can plant his feet and he head in the opposite, opposite direction uh, just as quick so yeah it's just something that he's going to have to factor in but I agree with you I didn't see yesterday tackle but so, uh, just saw it there this morning yeah just travelling at that kind of speed you know the contact with the ball really becomes irrelevant like you know what I mean so uh, it'll be interesting to see if Eric Ten Hag has the Andy Farrell approach of yeah we, we welcome the adversity that we're about to face because it's a four game ban now at a key moment in their hunt yeah. for top four honours and their record without him so far this season not as good as it is with him in nah, the team wouldn't be great now. so you look at the games that he's missing so the FA Cup quarter final against Fulham at home next weekend and then an away tie against Newcastle home to Brentford and home to Everton so the next game he plays will be away to Forest on April 15th in the Premier League so some key games as you say missing for uh, for Casemiro probably did okay to hold on and get a point United considering they were down to 10 men and uh, there was a bit of an onslaught from Southampton at many stages of that game in the second half as well So uh, can we use this as an excuse to oh so we're going to do Liverpool next yeah yeah we'll do Liverpool next we'll move on to the red yeah Liverpool first so uh, I don't know what he's made of this lads but um, it was just bizarre that a team could go from a 7-0 win the previous week against arch rivals to it's about the quality of the opposition really isn't it what, you know, they bring you down to their level. Step up, really, from last week to this <laughs> week. Uh, isn't that it? Shots fired to all the United fans out there. Um, Virgil van Dijk's performance was cat. It, it was brutal. Um, missed a clear-cut header to, to... I mean, it was easier to score in the first half. Uh, for the goal, for Philip Billings tap in early on, I mean, I don't know what van Dijk was doing. He was, the defending was... The, the line, the offside line was, was per for a start. And then, I mean, he almost left it to... Uh, was it Andy Robertson, the left back? He just... Kind of stopped moving, Virgil van Dijk. The, the body language was not great. For, for, for centre-half, Kenny, I mean, come on. I know you lads aren't the most athletic. Yeah, but, but that's, ha- that's happened previously with him. And it's not an inability. I'm talking about maybe Casemiro lacking mobility. You wouldn't say that with van Dijk. I know people saying his injury and maybe not quite the same, but still, he's a pretty impressive physical specimen. So, yeah, so what you're talking about really is, is between the years with van Dijk. And we've seen occasionally 
before with him reared his head and for me it comes back to this kind of with him probably said it maybe about a year 18 months ago with him. the only thing he's got to be careful with is that kind of that bit of a god complex mm. which he has in terms of I'll tell you what I'm so good that I'm not really sure I really need to bother with the kind of trivial aspects of this kind of defending lark that I'm being asked, being asked to do uh, that was the only thing I looked at and thought that's the only thing that can maybe cost you going forward yeah. so I saw a little bit of that in the goal I saw the goal again I, was, I didn't see the game live and the goal rolled in and I actually yeah, I was looking again thinking oh my god what What's fun? What's going on there? Why is he stopped? Yeah, so basically, yeah, what that is, I mean, he's got himself back a uh, gold side. He's the deepest defender. All he's got to do is stay in contact with the Bournemouth player, you know, shepherd him away from goal. He's got the speed, doesn't have to uh, dive in. It's pretty basic box standard stuff, you know, show him on his right side uh, to the touchline, block the cross if, if you can. But you're right, he's kind of put, it's almost as if like, oh, can't be bothered. He saw Robertson in his in his peripheral vision. Robertson's not in a good position. He's five yards ahead of the ball. Like, you know what I mean? But he's thought, oh, I can't be bothered. You go and deal with that. And even then, like, you know, no intensity to get back to recover back into the penalty box, something like that. He almost disappears out of the picture, doesn't he? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a mentality thing, Shane, isn't it? Yeah, Do you know what 100%. I mean? It was attitude as well. Like, it Yeah, was, exactly. The, ho- the whole thing rolled into one. Bit of complacency. And then the... Mo Salah penalty, of course, that could have changed the game if that goes in, and Liverpool probably going to win the match. But I mean, <laughs> terrible penalty, Jesus! Uh, yeah, but you know, what? I'm not even buying the terrible penalty. I was watching it from behind, and it was so sweetly struck that penalty. Did you see the trajectory of it? I mean, uh, you're talking probably two or three inches when it went past. Is it possible to sweetly the, strike a penalty that goes wide and over? Oh, that, yeah, the, the purest of the strike. Yeah, right. absolutely. The direction he set it out too wide, obviously, like you know, but a, you know, a foot to the right, and that's like mm. rattling in the stanchion, in the stanchion of the net. But yeah, I mean, obviously that wasn't the issue in terms of the penalty kick. I mean, the Liverpool performance a massive drop off but you know that's been kind of the season isn't it for mm. a number of teams to be honest with yeah, you Tottenham and one or, one or two words in Manchester United might, might start experiencing a bit of that over them maybe next uh, two to four weeks in Casemiro's absence it's a fun it's been a funny old season yeah. to be top end that that the top two are obviously separating themselves and like that's only yeah. to be expected but there was like a brief period where Manchester United might have got themselves back into the title race and then that's just clearly not the case now mm. so yeah. that race for fourth uh, Manchester United have 50 points, 26 games played. Spurs have a game played more and two points less, but they are in fourth. Uh, Newcastle have two games in hand on Spurs and are four points behind. And Liverpool have a game in hand on Spurs and are six points behind. And that's really it in terms of who might still make fourth. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be because you can't hang your hat on anybody. And generally you think the team who can put a run together, momentum, tail it back end of the season, who can find those five, six consecutive wins will probably be the ones that... But you're looking at the moment thinking, maybe nobody will. None of those teams you've mentioned there. They might just all limp towards the towards the tail end of the season. I think um, yeah, Newcastle are an interesting one. Got the win yesterday. They play United, isn't it? I think it's the first game after the, the international break. Mm. That's going to be a yeah. yeah that's going to be a I massive think, yeah. game. I think they go to Forest next week, Newcastle. I wouldn't rule them out. I think they can kind of come again as well. All right, last one is in the in the red is the BBC. We're not going to spend too much time on this because I think everything has been said. Uh, really, I, I don't know if, uh, if there's anything more. It looks like the BBC are going to roll back. It looks like Gary Lineker is going to be back presenting match of the day's coverage of the FA Cup next weekend. It looks like they're going to make some changes to their social media rules. I like uh, Armando Iannucci was suggesting yesterday. Why doesn't Lineker just add, uh, my, these are my views, not the views of the BBC, and the BBC could apologise for overreacting and away we go. Rishi Sunak was making some kind of peaceful sounding noises about, the BBC should really sort this out. You know, the important thing here is, of course, the, uh, 
the the uh, the central issue. And he's right. The central issue is that um, anyway. Let's yeah, not get into that. But Sunak, Sunak was asked, and he was on the plane heading over to San Diego to to meet with the, the U.S. president. And he was asked, like, are you going to meet with Gary Lineker, Gary Lineker yourself? And he said, it's not about any one person, but it kind of is. Well, certainly uh, the BBC made it about one person, and then uh, his colleagues uh, stepped up. And um, and it turns I think out Gary Lineker makes it about himself. To be honest with you, a lot of the time, I have to say that. I mean, I don't follow social uh, media, but. You know, obviously, I'm made aware of the fact he's pretty pretty much got an opinion on pretty much everything that's going on well, was of, a, of, a, of a social na- uh, nature. So, I think when somebody does that for me, it gives a bit of an insight into the mentality of that particular person and their ego as well when they put themselves front and centre. So, I would add that as well. I think he is entitled to his uh, opinion. I understand his issues there in terms of the impartiality of the BBC, which is a joke anyway, to be honest with you, to suggest there's some bastion of uh, impar- impartiality. But uh, yeah, I'd reserve the right of anybody to have an opinion, even if they're talking absolute nonsense, which I think he was. Right. Uh, OTBAM, live with Gillette Labs, get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now. I disagree with everything Kenny just said, by the way, but we don't have time because <laughs> it's time for us to get into the rugby. It's two minutes past eight. We're going to take a quick break. Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of OTB. New Braeburn locations are popping up every month, so visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn to find your nearest Braeburn coffee experience. Up next, Alan Quinlan. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Right, Alan Quinlan's with us. Alan, how are you? Uh, very good, thanks, yeah. That was pretty good. It was un- unbelievable, unbelievable, to be honest. Um, given everything that went wrong, I think that's going to be. I just think the composure and character this side is an example to anyone in sport. Um, you know, I love the fact of Farrell saying they're laughing and joking inside. Well, they weren't like. They were kind of laughing at the craziness, I think, of, of everything that was going wrong. Around the injuries, Ireland were still eight seven up at half time. People forget that, and um, it, Scotland were always going to come at them. I think there was loads of uh, kind of hairy moments that that's, um, that are really important for sports people. You you know this, Kenny, as well. If you're under the pump, that's the time where you need kind of wise heads, control, composure, big moments, um, and something and, to go your way. Yeah, and like when things are going wrong, you know, you lose, you know, you lose Doris. It's a blow. Jack Conan comes on, brilliant, um, great player to come on. Um, then Henderson is gone. Then she, well, Sheehan was gone next. Your hooker, you think right, Ronan Keller, brilliant replacement to come on. And then Henderson goes, and you're going, Jesus, this is getting crazy because, you know, it's Peter Marley's going to have to play the full game, and and you don't usually uh, see, yeah, you yeah. don't usually see that like. Big players will get injured in big matches in, in sporting teams, but for that to happen, and then then you have the um, Ronan Keller having to go as well, and what happened with Josh van der Fleer having to throw the ball, Keane Healy um, coming in at, at, at hooker, which is really important to clarify. I think most people realise now that you know if you go back to the Italy game last year in the Aviva, well, um, Italy had nominated their prop as a hooker. So when he comes on after the first hooker got injured, the second guy sent off, they've got to bring on a front row. He's not nominated as a hooker, so they have to go to uncontested scrums and take a player off. So they went down to 13 So on the team sheet yeah. yesterday, Keane Healy's name would have been down as, as a hooker, hooker, replacement hooker yeah. as well. So Extra cover. So that's why he can come on, do that job. Um it's it's just crazy. I thought now in that second half when you start seeing when you see Josh van der Fleer going to take the first throw in the lineout and Ronan Keller still on the field, this wasn't like some new trick that Andy Farrell is up his no. sleeve. There's trouble here. 
they were buying a little bit of time because I think Keen Healy was doing some stuff with John Fogarty um, which he said after the game trying to get his head around what he had to do and a couple of reminders uh, but it was sensational to be honest and, and it's right up there with one of the best wins ever Healy actually gives away a, is it a free kick when he he doesn't um, and Bernard Jackman's writing about this again today they're creeping a little bit in that scrum well there's like you're, you have to put your foot forward and then and then he's like oh yeah you know it's just I've got I've got a million different things to do. This is not, this is not uh, unconscious. I have to be totally conscious. Like, okay, the um, whole of the, you know, lads on either side of me here, and they're going to. It's like an incredible feat of physical achievement for Healy to, to be doing this, and it also means now Keane Healy's not just going to the World Cup. He's going to be in most matchday squads and the big games for us, right? Because, um, because this, yeah, is, well, this could happen again. Yeah, and that's you can't have every eventuality covered. I'm seeing a lot of teams. And particularly after that Italian game, you know, they've, teams have kind of worked on this and made sure it's, you can imagine, imagine two of your hookers gone and then a guy used to come off the field, on the field, and it comes uncontested and you have to take off one of your back rows. So it's another hammer blow. So it's, it's, it's very important that, and I'm sure lots of the, the team, modern, you know, rugby teams at the top level will have that covered off. But, um, it's unbelievable, really. I, I'm, I can't say enough about this team. I know we'll still get it back in our faces, probably at the World Cup. Well, whatever. But I just I mean, can't in, in genuinely, Ger, you know, we, and you go back to the 19 and, and it was all over the shop at times there when we were very much wondering what, where is the form of 2018 gone? This team have just grown. They've answered so many questions. So many things have kind of, te- they've been tested and it's, the preparation for the World Cup for, for Andy Farrell has gone perfectly because there's lots of big players missing for these big games and they've been able to cope um, and it's a great sign of the team. Let's hope they can keep this momentum going forward. Yeah, they need bodies back. Is the There's a couple of issues, I suppose, in terms of the injuries. Um, Farrell said that Ronan Kelleher's injury was a recurrence of the lack it's of power. a big worry. So... That's that was an, a problem he had, I think, with a nerve in his shoulder or neck. Kind of heartbreaking for him because it looked like yeah. he was back. And yeah, he looked in great condition and, and strength. Um, so that that is, um, you know, very worrying. So it's, you know, obviously you got through the match yesterday. You have six days to turn it around and play England. Um, but there's a lot of aside from, gone, obviously. aside from the bangs and knocks that you will have from a very very physical game like that then you have these guys a number of them ruled out Gary Ringrose will be gone Henderson will be gone Brian Baird comes in um, who goes to the bench on the back row well if you look oh, sorry, at the, the second, second row. row if you look at the second rows who were picked it was Tyg Furlong Ian Henderson James Ryan and Joe McCarthy they were the four second rows that were picked Joe McCarthy is gone with a broken foot Furlong's gone broken foot uh, Henderson's gone now, broken hand. We think it's a hand. So there's one second row standing from the four, original four. That's James Ryan. Burns gone, sorry, yeah. Um, Ryan Baird was in the squad. Yeah. Um, he was in as a back row. Um, so Ryan Baird obviously will start. I think um, Treadwell is probably the one who was involved last year. Um, but this is a chat I was having last night with someone. Is who, Who's next in line? I, I think... Can you name the next second row? Not really at this stage. Like uh, Jean Klein for me is, has should be called up, and and I don't know. Maybe we'll hear something today, but he's been playing exceptionally well with Munster consistently uh, for the last four or five months. He's faced battle hardened. I'm not saying he should come into the match day 23, but I need they need extra bodies well, in. He probably is. Um, 
you know. But if you, look at, if you look at the other provinces, who who else comes comes well, in there? Maloney, but they, they obviously yes, haven't. Maloney, yeah, they yeah. haven't given him an opportunity. Maybe he will come in as well. They probably they could bring in two or three of them. I guess there. what you do is you bring everybody in now for the next week Have and a half and yeah, see. Yeah, like, close. There's a good chance we might need one of them for the World Cup. Um, you'd hope to, it's a pity, Joe McCarthy, obviously. Uh, yeah, he would have been um, and probably next in line to go on to the bench, but um, he may put two back rowers on the bench. Who knows? I don't know, but. You know, hopefully Kellen Doris will come back. I think that it's England is still going to be a very tricky game for him, even though they were desperate on on, on Saturday against France. But um, I think the, the 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 mental side of of you know this isn't a one off either, Jared. That they've had adversity and they've been under pressure. I did want to talk to you about this, right? Andy Farr brought up the the bus the bus journey during the week. We've talked about this uh, famous bus journey to um, to the Scotland game a couple of years ago under Joe Schmidt and you were like, no, it matters, this stuff matters. And Andy Farrell's like, yeah, when that happens to us, we revel in it. We get changed on the bus and we get ready to go and he, he started the game against Wigan. I was making the case that Andy Farrell at the moment is like, he's, his performance is a genuine world-class coaching performance that is as good as anything we've well, ever seen you, in our sport. You sports. can imagine, Ger, if you create an environment where you're literally kind of downplaying stuff that goes wrong and saying look lads doesn't matter or enjoying it yeah and kind of yeah embracing it and using it flipping it flipping it over and saying you know isn't it great sit back lads in the bus relax it doesn't matter if they're going to have to wait for us they well, can't start the match without yeah, us well, get warmed up there lads I, I was just saying that if, if I if I heard that from my head coach I would go do you know what let go of all the tension. Mm. If 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 nobody's saying nothing and the bus is Whereas stuck, if you're standing at the front of the bus, you're going, what the hell's going on? It's like, you know, I'm just saying. I yeah, think, I uh, don't think Joe was standing up well, in the bus. I don't know. He I was mean, probably definitely not happy. Getting, going in and out and talking to the the liaison guy that was there. I just thought it was interesting that, he, like, he literally... I Hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? So when it happens there. once, you have the ability to say, lads, do you know what? We let go of these kind of negative things. I don't know what you think if you were in the bus and you've you all your no, prep like done. It. I like being on time and being for for that situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just think it's it's yeah. interesting the difference. But once between you're not on time, though, isn't it? That's current the head coach and the and the former head coach. The current head coach sees those things as like it's an opportunity for us to prove ourselves again. The last one was so. In, well, Jack Cohen said be- it. He said that um, he more or less said that um, the coach said, "Look, if we turn up ten minutes before kickoff, we'll just go out and do our job as normal, and, and like that's we'll deal with that." So, like the they're getting lots of opportunities to bank these setbacks you know they've certain players have stepped up um against wales against france big we're missing some a lot of big players there and they stepped up so the depth has has increased the second row depth now is going to be really tested and that's that's an issue and a problem but i think mentally they're in a good place can we get I, carried away about this team like we're like we, ordinarily if we're going to i don't yes yeah, we Why should. Do. We? we we should. We should do. <laughs> but ordinarily, we're, as an Irish nation, we don't get excited because in a World Cup year, oh, we don't want to win the Grand Slam, do we? The pressure. I've oh, changed, I've changed my mind on that now. Now, now I want to win it. I hope so. Let's fucking I do win think, it. I do think. Sorry, we should talk about France, and we will. Like, we don't have a lot of time. If you asked me, Shane, at the start of the season, um, would it be good for us to have a few poor performances? Even in November, I thought it was good that we beat South Africa. We were poor against Fiji, poor against Australia. And I thought even Australia probably should have won us. Would it have been the worst result? No, it wouldn't. It would have been a bit of a reality check. What if check. we beat France they by don't the need... score that they beat them by? Or beat England by the score France beat them by? Um, Is there there's an element then of Jesus' where? No, I don't think so. I think they're comfortable with dealing with being rated the best team in the world. And I think 
it's only now that people are really saying, wow, mm. to be fair. So I think we should celebrate it. We'll keep saying the point that no matter what happens, it's more most probably going to come down to one performance that you need to have a 9 out of 10 performance yeah. to win a quarterfinal at the World Cup against either New Zealand or France, given that's if we come out of the group. Scotland yeah. are still going to be tricky. So no matter what they do, so should they kind of go, well, we lose a few matches and we'll play this down, we'll keep it low-key, we'll go in underdogs. I think they should embrace this. And I think they are embracing it. They're embracing it in a, in, in a very humble way as well. They're not being cocky. They're not like, we're just going to turn up because we were brilliant last week. They had to dig, dig, dig yesterday. So hard at times against a very good Scottish side, a different Scottish team. And that's not patronising to them. Mm. They'll still be very dangerous at the World Cup. Um, I just think... You know, you look at the the way they stretched France, Scotland in, in Paris, could have won that game. Um, they beat England. OK, we're looking at England now and maybe they're poor, but they would demolish Wales and Edinburgh. Um, so they're a different Scottish side. And given all the players that went off yesterday, now they lost Richie Gray. Straight away. You, and they, One oh. player, but... I just thought this team are very mentally they're, they're mentally in a strong oh, yeah. and, and they're quite humble as well shouldn't we get carried away isn't that no, let's point? do it live in the moment live in the moment Jerry. let's come live on, in the moment come on let's be having just you. think of the other side of the have group you come around Jerry? Like, oh, no, it's just, it's, well, we're still in form and the World Cup is the next thing that's going to happen really yeah. the, no matches matter between obviously next week and then there's no international matches of meaningful consequence in the warm ups um uh, you know, so that's it now. We're we're in form going into a World Cup. This is it's good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really hard good. to say negative in that. It's hard hard well, it's to say negative in that. The French situation where they obviously got a, a short sharp shock from us, and then again from Scotland. But their their form is back now, and their best players. Yeah, they were again, sensational so. on, on Saturday. And look, that that's always going to be the case in France. They they will rightly be the favourites for the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and so we want them to hammer poor. the All Blacks, and then us play the All Blacks in the quarterfinals. If you were to pick. Uh, a path. We look. We have we have months to do that. In the past, we, you potentially talked about Edwin Adogbo, Adogbo being a, a flyer. Is he's just back from injury, coming back from injury in the next week or two? Yeah, he hasn't played. Obviously, it's, so he needed to have played the whole way through. He, it would have been if he had a run of matches from from September October. Yeah, and played most weeks with Munster. Um, I know they had their breaks, obviously, in between the internationals. You, you couldn't rule him out of being called up and to, even to train with him to learn you know obviously there's a fair bit to learn um, you know in this at that level and all the finer details that um, that you've got to get right but yeah he's too young for that like someone like John Klein I think has improved as I said a, a lot there'll be a few comments afterwards about this and John Klein in the World Cup but if you watch what he's been doing the last few months he's his skills have improved. I think he's offloading the ball. He's passing, but he—he's a perfect guy who will just hit rocks all day for you, make carries, um, very physical, and is super fit at the moment. You know, and I think he—if yeah. you were picking the next in line, all right. Well, like I, it, everybody that has gone into the Ireland squad has got better. Do you know, like everybody. Yeah, he's improved a lot as well. You know, I think been better, better coaching that he's getting now around his detail and what he has to do. Um, so, and I think that's one. You know, we're talking about the players a lot here. I think we're blessed with the coaches which Ireland have at the moment. They yeah. continuously, and I know when you're winning, and you know this, Kenny. If you're winning and the buzz is good, you're gonna everyone's gonna be patting everyone on the back. But 
what what Farrell has done is remarkable. I think he's created a real positive environment that he nearly enjoys. And you, I know we keep mentioning this. He was like that as a player. He was just this fellow who, the type of fellow who would just turn up, throw a pair of boots at him, and he would go out and just do what he had to do. He, he in a relaxed manner, but a, a fury with it. Yeah. He's created an environment where these guys are just very happy in themselves. Um, he's very humble in a sense that he knows sport inside out, that you can get your backside handed to the week after if you don't have your head right. Um, I think he's got a brilliant balance in that. The Irish forwards, again, James Ryan is talking about, because I get criticised for being biased about Paul O'Connell. I know what O'Connell is like. Phenomenal attention to detail. He, What he's doing with those Irish forwards... And John Fogarty and 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 Mike Cat and John Easterby, yeah, Easterby as well. But I know the detail, the finer details about defending malls, your body position at breakdowns, your cleanouts, all that stuff. You know, Paul has taken that this team to you know a different level. And look, James Ryan is coming out talking about that. Okay, he's asked a question about the forwards coach, but you can see sm- so small, so many small and tricky things about what they're doing and the way they're executing and delivering ball and stuff like that. Um, so it's good at the moment, but um, yeah, I'll be I'll be still half glass, um, half empty. Come the World Cup, and so nervous, and the players st- still in me. That's you know, I'd love if we were on the other side of the draw. Ah, oh, look, if it's, we're on the other side of the draw, crazy. We'd be counting our Wales, chickens on the other side of the yeah, draw. Wales, England, on the other side, Australia. You know, but look, like Wales and England, Australia could come good at the World Cup. Now, to be fair, um, it's they, Australia, they, Argentina from that side, right? Um, they, can Argentina come out on that side? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the Wales and England aren't coming out of that. England, like we were talking about it earlier, coming out and apologising afterwards. You're like, oh my god, what, what's going on? Incredible. Um, would, would this have would this have happened if they'd kept Eddie Jones? I think it was coming. Yeah, it was definitely coming. They were unhappy. An awful lot of players talking about the way he was talking to people and the regime and all that. And you know what? That got him to a point of, again, when things are going well and you have this kind of strict regime and everyone says, well, it's working, we're winning, um, the added bonus of performance is there. But when things start to unravel a little bit and you've the coach keeping the players out doing contact for an hour and a half and, and long training sessions and, and people are nervous and, and fearful of, of the head coach... Um, and I've no doubt Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Jones is actually, you know, for all the kind of chat he would have have pre-match and post-match, and he's actually a really nice fella to meet and have a chat. And and but I think he goes, he he kind of coaches one way in a sense that you know it's all about, you know, there is a bit of fear involved there, and sometimes people they weren't enjoying it because you know player power is massive. You probably see it's certainly evidence Kenny in the Premier League if the players turn on the coach and I think there was a bit of that happening obviously the results weren't going well it was a pity the way it ended but I thought they needed to change I think Steve Bortwick um, Nick Evans Kevin Sinfield these guys they need time there's actually a core a very good core group of English players and there's a lot of quality there but I think they're miles off knowing their de- we're talking about Ireland's detail and the yeah. small things they're miles off being really cohesive um, will they come to Dublin and smash Ireland on Saturday absolutely they'll make it really difficult and they'll their line speed will be very very quick and they'll be getting stuck into Ireland they could unsettle them they're, they're very much capable of doing that 
but um, they need time. You know, need they need time to coach and implement an attacking kind of structure. But they were dreadful on Saturday. France just blew them away with everything, every part of the game, and. To be in Twickenham and just kind of see English fans leaving there, very, very kind of, there was a good bit left in the game and they were leaving. Booze at half They were humiliated, yeah, yeah, and um, they're a very poor side at the moment. Will they get better? Yes. I, f- I feel really sorry for them. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> Stay humble, remember. Is there, uh, no, not the England game. No, we're going to be humble about this. No, but hold on. Like, is there is there an argument so that the occasion this, the occasion this weekend gets to the players? Because Paddy's weekend, England... I mean, first the last two Grand Slams have been. We're going to hammer them you know away what? from winning the Grand Slam at home. Them. We've just been know, talking about why it won't get to them. Do, We've just do, been do talking you know, about why it won't. Do you know what Andy Farrell will probably say to the Irish players this week? If we lose on Saturday, what else? End of the world. Sure. Who cares? Slam, we'll get up Sunday. We'll just go out and do our best. And, and th- I, honestly, that's kind of the messages you're getting back here. Of course, it's big, and it's. Uh, I think the players will realise they weren't just kind of giving that talk yesterday that England are going to turn up. Like if I'm a player there, I'm thinking straight away. What 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 would you do if you're an English player on Saturday and you're going to Dublin? We've spoiled their party a few times going but for they're grandstand. Fragile, they're fragile. They are. Initial, initial period when you come out onto the game for them, 10 fours, 10, 15 minutes. But I think very quickly, that for the reasons you've said in terms of the... The quality comes the out after a while. Yeah. You know, you'll delegate like a sense pretty quick. That's what it's going to be like. The quality comes <laughs> out, but... You're going to hammer them. You see, the problem, the other thing that hasn't really happened to Ireland is performances dip to a really low level, which is potentially can happen a team that's winning matches. You lose form. But that's me- mentality, really. That's a mentality shift when that kind of performance level drops, really, Alan, isn't it? Which you, you can't say. Probably, can yeah. They're in, they're in a good mean? place. And they seem it. to have all the boxes covered that this could happen and, and it's kind of, it's making them avoid that. So look, I think they've been... So there could be an early red card for an Irish player. There's been no yellow cards all tournament, so it would be a bit of a, a bit of a freak. We didn't even get into the referee in performance yesterday, and I know you got to go. But um, next Monday, you're going to do the performance rankings with us. Yes, just just green. Well, on Liverpool, on Le- for uh, Liverpool, going to get mixed. <laughs> we, we should get carried. Andy Dunn said last week, 15, ten to fifteen points, we're going to beat the Scots. We're going to do them, and we did fifteen points. Yeah, yeah let's get let's get carried away from this weekend as well. Yeah. And, uh, uh, did he say? And Shane texts me then on Saturday on my way to Twickenham. Bournemouth <laughs> one, Liverpool nil. <laughs> no, it was just Cher- a, it was a photo. It was a photo of a can of seven up yeah. cherry because fair uh, play. I have to take it. We have to take it back in the chain after last it, Monday. I gave me a can of seven up. Seven nil. Everybody's yeah. going to remember the seven nil literally forever. It is. It is a forever result. That Fact. one nil defeat doesn't Fact. matter. This doesn't is matter. coming from a Villa fan now, so it's not coming from me. <laughs> yeah, There's no bitterness man. here. Thanks, Jerry. Twenty-four minutes past eight. They'll always remember it. Villa on the charge. Phil Thompson's up next. Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton here reflecting on Ireland's win. Thanks, Gunny. It would be uh, stuff of dreams, really. Um, but you grow up doing, wanting to do. I don't know. I don't know why you grow up wanting to be captain of Ireland. Maybe because the players that you admire most were were captains. But to do it would be yeah, dream, dream come true stuff. Yeah, you know, even just playing for Ireland to win a Grand Slam would be something. So, look, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big week. There'll be plenty of hype. There's going to be lots of distractions, tickets, and family, and, and all that. And we need to. Um, really just get down to business and uh, get a big performance because these guys are going to be really tough to play against because they're going to be hurting from yesterday they're going to be wanting to show what playing for England means to them and you know they're they're a good team they're a better team than they they showed yesterday so um, it's going to be a a really tough game. And Andy it is such a short turnaround and obviously all the injuries as well so it's a tough task. Yep we're on playing tonight so we'll be 
not much celebrating. Um, we'll enjoy each other's company tonight, flying back and then straight back into Garden House and um, recover properly tomorrow. Um, a few down days um, to make sure that we get our legs back and we'll have a, a hit out or two and we'll get our plan together and, and go again. You know, it is what um, uh, dreams are made of, like, like Johnny was saying, to play England at home. Uh, to earn the right to take it to the last weekend on Paddy's weekend it doesn't get any any better than that so we need to get our, across our work early and make sure that we um, um, in the right space come Tuesday, Wednesday for training It was obviously difficult for Andy Farrell playing against his son hopefully his son doesn't get picked again for the game next weekend and it's much easier for him to you know channel his like general sense be so awkward at home wouldn't it? Christmas dinner would be a bit um there was a good bit where last time they were playing Owen Farrell said that Andy had bought or Andy's mum and his wife had bought uh, an Ireland shirt for his kids so Owen Farrell's kids were walking around in Ireland shirts it was like hang on a second of course hopefully his uncle's going to play for Ireland too but um, we'll see it's just like an extra little wrinkle to the whole thing you forget that there's like an Englishman coaching against his home team Mm. yeah yeah no, I, I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a factor at all, is it? For the reasons that we've been talking about, that that manager we've got is absolutely phenomenal. I agree with you, Joe. I think we're absolutely going to annihilate this oh. next week. I have to say it. There's no, there's no getting away. We shouldn't be like embarrassed by it. When you say an idea, how can like- you make an argument for this England team at the moment uh, trudging up at the Aviva last week? I don't care what fifteen we start. We put on the batch, on the pitch. Doesn't matter to me that kind of crowd there. I mean, the whole the energy level feels like that stadium. Jerry, yeah. are you with me? I, I am. I am absolutely. Well, when you say annihilate, what thirty points? Oh, we uh, will score forty. I don't know how many they're going to score. It doesn't well, really. I think performance. So it doesn't matter. It could be thirty. It could be twenty. Thirty. Fifty. It could be. It, it, I think we're just going <laughs> to absolutely swamp them. I'm loving this. But that's not jingo. That's not. That's. Am, am I right with that one? Well, uh, on the balance probability on the form lines, yeah. Ireland are Thank fifteen you. to twenty point favourites. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, is that it? I haven't fifteen checked. to twenty. Well, that's what. I mean, that's a lot. Kenny. half. That's that's three first half, first three four. tries. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, twenty-seven, twenty-eight minutes past eight. You keep your comments rolling in. Uh, it's time for us to turn our attention to Liverpool. Phil Thompson is with us. Uh, Phil, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Not bad. Not bad. Could be better. <laughs> um, what What the hell is going on? Absolutely no idea. Um, and it's lovely, isn't it? You always think, as a as a player, as a coach, that you've got ideas about where it goes wrong, what's happening. You have your opinions. And we got to the World Cup, and you were thinking, oh, yeah, I've got them. I think I know what it is. It's it's the press. The press is just not working. And, it, and in fairness, Mo Salah came out, of, I think it was just before, or just after the Man United game, and he said it was the forwards who... They were, they were not understanding or doing the high press, but I thought it's. I think it's everybody is out of form. I think that is one of the big things. Um, the new players trying to integrate them into the side, Darwin Nunes and Gakpo, with that press. But I think it's just loss of form in so many players. But Saturday was all about complacency. And that was it. They thought, after all the hype of the Man United game, we just need to turn up. Kenny's there with you. You know, you have a game like that and you perform and everybody's talking about it. And the next week you go out. And if you're not right, if you've not got that in your mind, you can soon come 
come unstuck. Complacency? Was that an, an, an important element here, Kenny? Yeah, I think Phil's right, but I think there's there's certain fundamental fundamental issues in that Liverpool squad. Been there probably for about a season now. Phil will probably uh, say more at Liverpool games than uh, me. You can kind of nitpick around the edges, but for me, it's always been for the last year that kind of central midfield area for me. That kind of access in there. Henderson's legs, unfortunately, not the player he was. Can't get around the pitch like you had done previously. They've never replaced Wijnaldum. Phil, in my opinion, that central midfield. Fabinho now is getting more exposed. A lovely player that he is. He can't shift. Over over the ground, you know he, he you know so he he's getting more exposed than he's ever been, and yeah, and likewise the the back four, you know that back four unit now is getting exposed. We haven't got that defensive <coughs> shield filled for me in front of them now, and they're really getting stress tested. How how good they are individually as defenders, and we're seeing them them exposed a little bit. So there's a lot going on there. But you're right, a bit of complacency, <coughs> absolutely uh, yesterday doesn't help. But I still feel yeah. there's underlying issues there, uh, Phil, which the manager isn't going to resolve until the summer. He's only going to fix this, Phil, for me by actually getting. And some top quality players into that club uh, in the summer. No, it's it, it, there's there's a lot of that, right? But don't don't forget. I think where the defence, the problem with the defence, we're not being defending well. I'm not trying to say that they're all right, but if you don't get that press right, and you don't get it right, and our press has always started from the front. I get you think about Wijnaldum, but Wijnaldum wasn't there last season when we were going for four trophies right for the, the very last day. So, you know, and things things were really good last season. So the drop-off has been quite immense, the way it's happened. And you, you could go with Mane rather than Wijnaldum. But don't forget, Wijnaldum's age was, was going up as well. And that's the difference. We've got like young lads in Cavallio and Elliot and Curtis Jones who are between 21 and 18. And then we've got 30-somethings. And the gap is too big. Now, you keep doing the high press and the intensity of, of, the, of the closing down of what Jürgen demands from the players. There's going to come a time when you're going to hit that brick wall. And I, I feel as though this season has been that brick wall for those ones who are, who are a little bit older. And it, you can't get around. You see players who are not able to pick the, pick the feet up to make challenges, make passes. And it's just not happening. So that area in the middle, yet yeah, you're quite right. I'm not agreeing with the Wijnaldum thing, but the the press starts from the front with Liverpool. Now, if you're not stopping and players are able to get their head up and see that pass, and it's happening time and time again, players have just been able to put the ball in behind our defence. We're still holding that high line, and you're getting done every time. I've never seen Alisson, of all the years he's been there, have to make so many crucial saves as he's done this season. It's only in the the last few games that things were getting a bit better. Maybe they've been working on the press. But to come unstuck again like it was at Bournemouth was just, honestly, it was was a shame. Because, like, you you think you're you're turning that corner. We turn more corners than Lewis Hamilton this year. (laughs) (laughs) Phil, can I ask you if you think that this is an issue that will be fixed with a couple of signings? Um... Rumours yesterday in the papers about Mo Salah's future and whether or not they'll decide to cash in on him. You know, he's still obviously incredibly valuable. His goal scoring this season is is excellent. Um, so there would be a big market for him and they could get loads of money back. But is this something that can be fixed? Is this is the new reality that Liverpool are way off qualifying or, sorry, uh, competing for the title? Or is this a couple of signings, an off-season and they're back again? 
I, I would like to think a couple of signings. I, and, and listen, yes, I, I get the midfield thing. And so many Liverpool fans, oh, Jude Bellingham is coming to Liverpool. Well, I'm telling people, don't. <laughs> you know, I, I did well, what's called um, Legend Source at Liverpool. You got 50 people in the room. And I said, how many people think that we're signing Jude Bellingham? And about 48 all put their hands up. And I've went, listen, I would love them to sign. I says, but you've got to get it because it'll be the biggest letdown of any transfer window that will ever happen if Liverpool don't sign Jude Bellingham. And it, it, there's going to be so many options for this young man. That it's going to be astonishing. Yes, I would love him, but it may not happen. But that is an area, yes, which needs to be changed. You've seen the way we don't keep a settled midfield at all. Yes, the intensity, you need to change them. But that is a major area which keeps getting changed week after week, trying to find a winning formula. So it tells you in itself that that's the area. As for Mo Salah, listen, we couldn't afford to lose Mo Salah at the moment. If you took his goals out of the team, Darwin Nunes has done very well. But if you take Mo Salah out now or the end of this season, where are you going to find those, those goals again? Well, the teams are searching for them. There's not a load of Erling Haaland's out there. Who came for fifty-one million? That's what we've got to remember. Laughing. I was going to say the betting one's a fascinating one, Phil. I mean, you mentioned how important he could be for Liverpool. I don't think Guardiola, a Manchester, a Manchester City, can afford to let you Bellingham go to any of his rivals. I think he's got to take Bellingham away from Liverpool and Chelsea are crying out for another central midfield player because I think he helps Manchester City. He makes Manchester City a better player. Obviously, we know the quality he has, but he takes Liverpool and other teams to another level, Bellingham. He's that good. So if I was Pep Guardiola at the moment, I was thinking, how can I hurt Liverpool? What's the biggest hammer blow I can give to Liverpool in the summer? It's actually to take Jude Bellingham away from them, put him into that Manchester City midfield. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, how much will they pay for him? Probably City will announce that they've signed him for thirty-one million. <laughs> you know that is such. It's such. A, you know, it's a good deal, and their recruitment has has been great. Um, but listen, yeah, I can understand that. That 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 was that was the, the Man United back in the seventies yeah. and eighties, wasn't it? Trying yeah. to take players just because they didn't want other other people to do it. I think Pep is 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 quite shrewd. He knows what he wants. You've seen. Uh, before Haaland came, is that they did need a centre forward of his, and he's 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 a goal machine. The fella is a goal machine, so that that was right. But as as for Bellingham to City, everybody's everybody's going to want it. Anybody who's got a bit of cash, probably anybody who hasn't got cash, will be wanting Jude Bellingham, and he's such a good player. But there's there's others out there. If Bellingham was not a bit, we need to have our hat in the ring for for Declan Rice. Mm. You know, if Declan's that unhappy. He's another player who, who I think is a good player with the right attitude, with what would constitute to be a Liverpool player. And that would all sort of fit the bill. But it, it, it is an area which is, it's, you, don't, you don't have to be a, a manager or anything to, to see the areas which need strengthening. Phil, do you want me to ask you one thing in, in, in terms of Liverpool's recruitment uh, this summer? It looks as if maybe financially they can't compete with teams around. We're talking about they need some more investment coming into the football club. Those players that might come in, the likes of Bellingham and Royce that you're talking about there, maybe another one or, or two. If Liverpool had to generate funds from within this squad at the moment, oh yeah, they had to get one or two players out the door, they had to get money in for players. Now you've just said you wouldn't sell Mo Salah, um, probably one of their biggest assets at, at the moment, you need them. 
But is there any other players in that present Liverpool team? If you had to generate funds to get a Bellingham in the door, who would you sacrifice? Would you be prepared to sacrifice Trent Alexander-Arnold on the open market or even Van Dijk at the moment to get somebody like Bellingham or Declan Rice into the into the uh, into the club? <coughs> Excuse me. I, the, the likes of those players uh, are not. I think I think Virgil's uh, thirty. Trent is obviously a lot younger. Hmm. They, they, they're not. So you're not looking at them, but we've got. It's not only there's players who are, who are thirty odd. You know, um, Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, there's, I think there's about another three or four players. Yeah. It's it's not just the value of selling them on. It's it's the contract what they're on. They're on probably into the last year or two, and it's it's the salaries what they're on. You put that all together, and there's there's massive savings there. It's, we've not spent a great deal in the last couple of summers. We, As you said, we, we have to be very shrewd of what we do. What we do, we sometimes keep them, as we did with Van Dyke, as we did with Alisson. When that big one, and it was needed, we will make that purchase. And that's what I'm thinking, that's what I'm hoping is being done in the background, is we've we've saved our money. Um, our net spend has not been as great as any of the other clubs. Is that we're saving it for those those big ones in those those areas that needs doing. So hopefully we've we've just saved our money in in our little piggy bank, ready for that big signing. <laughs> Tom, can I just briefly ask you about Virgil Van Dijk? We touched on him. We touched on him earlier, and the term God complex came up. And we're trying to find reasons for for his performance on Saturday and and. Uh, Performances generally this season, which haven't been up to par as as he has been in previous years. But like, how do you explain the goal, the Bournemouth goal at the weekend, for example? Because he, as we were saying earlier, just appeared to stop moving and uh, almost yeah. gave up the ghost. The ball, it, it went in the inside right position, and as he went past him, it, it, he stopped. And I, it's one of those as a defender where you think, "I'm all right here. We've got him. He's going at such an angle; it'll be all right." Not realizing that obviously, what he's going to do after it. But it was the point of, of where he stopped in the penalty box. Now, if he'd have carried on his run, he might have got when the guy pulls it back for him to put it, Billing to put it in. So, to me, it was a lapse of concentration. To me, that is complacency. It's not that urgency of what you've done against Manchester United. Like, there was, there was one thing in, I think, in the first half where it, it goes and it's, the guy's running a goal, coming down the left-hand side, and Virgil's going like that. There's another man in the middle who, who this fella could pass it to. His angling was absolutely perfect. And he eased him away from goal, eased him away from goal, and then the ball ran over the byline. It was absolutely top-class defending. Now, one incident doesn't make just a whole game be right, but there's still that knowledge in his mind, there's still that pace in his mind, it's just not happening all the time. And well, to me, it is, it's complacency, it's coming off the back of big games, and even the likes of the great players can drop to that. And we've had that happen too often this year. All those teams, those promoted teams, we can't keep struggling and losing against those teams. That's not Liverpool. Remember the words? We find a way. That we find, we're finding a way as seems to have gone out of our vocabulary. Will they finish top four? I do still think, I think the other teams are all sort of giving us that great opportunity. I do think we will finish top four. Sometimes you need a game, what happened at the weekend, to kick it on. The the Newcastle game for us was not great. The Spurs won. Spurs are up and down at the moment. Newcastle, 
not lost many games. I still think it'll be hard, but I do think we'll finish top four. All we'll right. finish third. Phil, good stuff. Thanks a million. Uh, all right, lads. Finish third. Phil. There you go. Uh, do you think they're going to finish top four? I'm, I'm uncertain at the moment. I would have said, no. yeah, before the... Yeah, uh, weekend. six weeks ago, definitely no. Um, I wouldn't say I've changed my mind. I, I'd probably maybe give them, obviously, they're in a better position now, but just can't trust them. But sorry, when they come problem, back from the international break, back to back away games against Man City and Chelsea, and then a home game against Arsenal, like, they're not easy fixtures, Liverpool, when they come back. What about Chelsea? Have they uh, done a Lewis Hamilton and turned a corner? <laughs> I think they have. Yeah, I think they have. I'm quite, I'm quite pleased actually uh, for the manager because he's he's been dealt a difficult hand there. I think since he's been at the football club, just in terms I want to said it before a few weeks ago, just in terms of trying to manage that squad, yeah, that numbers the numbers of players which has been thrown at him. He seems to have that. a fairly consistent team selection over the last number of games, a consistent shape and a consistent players largely. Yeah, yeah, I think that can help in terms of players coming back from Chilwell's come back a bit of natural balance there. You can argue for fans has come uh, uh, come back into the team. But it's managing the other players, I think, is just as much of a problem. You're right in terms of, well, yeah, you're seeing something coming together uh, on the pitch. Joe Felix, obviously a big fan of him. He looks very he looks very comfortable out there, to be honest with you, uh, at the moment. Kovacic and, and Fernandes in midfield, you think, looks like a pair. And at last, some kind of it, but I still think they need to invest another player in there. But yeah, so that's coming together. But it's the other players, the other 20 yeah. Got a play, uh, hovering around the stand around the train around the their chins are, yeah. with their chins on the floor that's what he's got to manage as well and that's what they haven't made it easy for him but yeah you can just see something coming together I think that's all he had to do for me even like a couple of weeks ago if you had asked me before this little run you're talking about he just needs to show the ownership something between mm. then and the end of the season and say look yeah I, I can manage this I can, I can pull this together we're kind of on our way we're heading in the right direction and I think yeah he's certainly on his way at the moment I took a bit of spice off Antonio Conte on the touchline at the weekend as well like I know Rashardison played well Kane among the goals again Hyungmin Son who's been per all season has all of a sudden looked okay at the weekend but Conte I mean I think he's everyone gone. said he's, he's yeah. given up at the club but he looked very much involved at the weekend yeah I just think he's got prior to the game the week, for the last kind of couple of months I've just felt this you know you just get a sense of it you know what I mean not obviously yeah, being yeah. Around, around and I can understand it to be fair taking the football in perspective out uh, in terms of money to spend and the whole shebang the way, the way that he is but just on a personal level in terms of what he's kind of gone through lost a couple of close friends personal issues family distance from the family I'll factor all of those things in it just, just might be you know what I mean his head he's thinking you know no, now it's time to kind of step away so I still get a bit of a uh, a sense of that that still might happen over the next uh, couple of months he might make it to the end of the season now you yeah know, that, <laughs> they're going to be in the race for top four it turns I out. think there's an argument yeah. if if there's a bit of a disconnect there between him for whatever reason I'm not saying he's well, the like, performance wouldn't he's suggest there is though, right? no he played well yeah but you know face to a family at the moment yeah. Spurs and any 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 other team Spurs I mean any support I feel sorry for this year Spurs support get the new manager in there's your argument exactly I, if I there's somebody s- out there now, if it's Pochettino, Pochettino and they know I'll well, ta- I'm, I'm ready I'm ready to step back in we get did, him in now we did a piece on Thursday with Martin Lipton and I was like what, the, the only reason not to do it is if you're the new manager <clears> and you know that there's a good chance Harry Kane is leaving and whatever Martin Lipton was saying the Spurs fans aren't going to blame whoever the manager is when he leaves but it's going to be on your CV <laughs> I couldn't convince Harry Kane to stay Harry Kane left and then joined whoever he joins so maybe you want that bit of business to be done and then you're coming in afterwards to fix things that's the only thing I see 
Uh, yeah, I, oh, no, no, I wouldn't even lean on that uh, too much, to be honest with you. If they had an assurance from Pochettino, whoever it is, say two, which I can't say that one, don't get me wrong, whoever it was, yeah, I'm prepared to come in now, next week or tomorrow. I, I, I think so. If you feel as if a manager coming in is going to spark that kind of dress to him, kind of get a reaction, you know, for the for the remaining kind of couple of months of the season, I think it's worth it. If they're oh, kind of limping, they're kind of limping at the moment. Yeah. I would have said the same until the weekend where they weren't limping at all. It was like game over. Thanks very much. Everybody's I, back. I can't. I can't. Uh, I don't understand that dressing room. I've got to be honest. I don't understand it. I, um, I'm trying to think back to we all play poorly collectively. Um, you know, we're talking about sport team sport day this morning. Drop off and levels kind of attitude. Spill spoke about complacency and that can happen occasionally. But I've never ha- mm. seen it happen so often with a team as with sports this year. Speaking to sports reporters, looking at performances, Jer, uh, Shane, in terms of like just attitude, application, yeah. mentality. We can all p- uh, play poorly in terms from the technical point of view, and you're not at your best at certain games. But generally speaking, there's a certain level of consistency in terms your attitude you know how you you know how you prepare you kind of how you move how you tackle how you run how you recover all the basics the fundamentals of the game generally are there week in week out there might be an exception here and there but this sports team I've never seen it so often yeah well the run of the run of results so they they beat Man City and then Leicester hockey them and then AC Milan beat them and then they beat West Ham and then they beat Chelsea and then Sheffield United beat them and then Wolves beat them. <laughs> Spurs, ladies and gentlemen. I, it doesn't It doesn't. It's the manner sense. of the performances, Jared, yeah. that I'm talking about. The amount of time Spurs players just right off the first half of the game. Yeah. Forget, about, forget it, right off and then <laughs> let's wait for the bounce. Let's wait for the pick-up. When we're 2-0 down. Can that happen? Yeah, how can that happen? I don't know. At that level, like a professional sport? like I don't know. I guess that's that's why we play the games because... Uh, but do you think... Do you think that I, I, for me, I look at the dressing room there. I think there's, there must be a bit of an underlying issue in terms of the dressing room there. The collective and that dress, that mentality, senior players in particular, and all lad is senior players. Yeah, boss the dressing room, pull things together, pull people into line. All that—that's the ideal. Which one? Generally, you, you, that—that's part of the course. Kind of senior, battle-hardened, experienced players. I'm not too sure what that sports dressing room. The likes of Kane, Son, and one or two others in, in, in that dressing room. Eric Dyer. Are they the type of characters that are really bossing that dressing room, making huge demands? Um, but you're talking about uh, Kane maybe looking at his next, next move. I don't know. The likes of Eric Dyer, a very kind of quiet, insular type of fella. So it is an experienced dressing room, but is it the type of dressing room that's holding people to account and demanding more of each other, accepting those type of performances, Jerry? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't appear to be. It mm. has not been over the years. It, they have the the occasional flare-up where they reach the Champions League final but even that season was very spursy yeah. like, um, if, if you're Kane do you want to leave now and get a, get a, a trophy or two onto your your role of honour list or do you want to be a one-man or a one-club man for the rest of your career well this is interesting because I think it, I think it's the I think it's changed even the space of 9 months 12 months with Kane last year literally Manchester City could have picked Man United they're all kind of falling over each other I'm not too sure. Clearly Manchester City is an option for him this season. Who else are you talking about? It, Manchester United is an obvious when people say they're crying out Manchester United goal yeah. scorer, 20 goals. It's an easy fix. I don't think it, it is an easy fix, Harry Kane. If Harry Kane goes in there, does he score goals, 15 to 20 goals? Yeah, absolutely. I think he does maybe 25. But is there a drop-off with Kane coming at that team? Yes. And it's about, we're talking about press there with Phil, the Liverpool front line. Are you going to start that press off with Harry Kane as your number nine in terms of how Ten Hag demands of, of his players? No. 
not, not the age that he's at. He's never been that type of player. Very kind of one pace. Doesn't really want to get involved in that press. Wants to conserve himself and do what he does. So I'm not too sure even Ten Hag's looking at Harry Kane. I'm sure he'd love his goals in the team. But at the same time, he's looking at him thinking, over oh, the next two or three years, physically, this lad's only heading in one direction. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? All right. and I might have to carry him to an extent. So, Well, we might talk about Arsenal a little bit later on. If you want to give us your thoughts, you can get in touch. 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number. Or, of course, you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream. Now, I'm delighted to say Tom English is with us to give us a perspective um, from Scotland this morning. Tom, good morning to you. How are you? I'm all right, Chair. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Um, that was in, you know, there's there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of bluster about the Six Nations, but, like, it's fixtures like this that make it all actually true. All the cliches are cliches because, in this instance, they <laughs> turned out to be true. Yeah, listen, certainly for the first 40 minutes and maybe the first 50, 55 minutes... It was as good a contest as you're going to get, you're going to see. I thought it was not high scoring, but high class from both teams. Um, I thought it was a magnificent, magnificent battle. So many good things happening. And I think in the end, Ireland's class and nous and leadership won the day. They had loads of that, and Scotland didn't have nearly enough of them. Um, It feels like Scotland. Defeats like this, they can take them one of two ways. There's loads of different ways they can take them, but it does feel like Scotland are really building something meaningful and that they didn't lose that much by losing that game. That actually, Gregor Townsend spoke afterwards about how the gap is closing and it actually really felt like that. It, it did feel like Scotland could easily win this game. There's a path for them to win this game. There's a, a, a chance butchered, I think, is it just at the end of the first half where if they'd scored that, it would have been very, very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, but it's a case, a case of coulda, woulda, shoulda, Jerry, you know. Um, and I take what Townsend is saying about the gap closing. I'm not sure I agree with it. Um, you know, seven, this was the eighth defeat in a row for Scotland against Ireland. The previous seven, the average winning margin for Ireland was 14 points. This was 15. Um, the average try count in those seven games before Sunday was three to one. For Ireland, it was three to one again. So, yeah, in the uh, Scotland have got better. There's no question. Scotland have got better, but so have Ireland. And I think the gap remains. Um, the closer it got to kickoff, the more I was puzzled as to how Scotland could win this game, unless Ireland were offered. And how many t- times have we seen Ireland being offered to an extent where they expose themselves to? to defeat in the last 12 months. I mean, it's Ireland's ability to keep good teams scoreless for huge chunks of a match is incredible. They did it to New Zealand twice, the second and third test in the summer. They did it to South Africa. They did it to Australia. They did it to France. And now they've done it to Scotland. Scotland scored their only points in the 17th minute. Didn't score anything after that. You know, I didn't think that that would happen. But... Ireland's ability to, and also to withstand adversity. Players dropping like flies, they get stronger. You know, it's a testament to Ireland's squad depth. Gibson Park comes on off the pitch, on the, on the pitch, after 54 minutes, and within a minute he's causing havoc. You know, it's, it's amazing. This Ireland squad is something special. 
it was um, obviously a weekend of Ireland-Scotland fixtures and Ireland put up a record number against the under-20s. Um, is this is there anything that we should be worried about from a Scotland perspective where they're shipping 80 points in an under-20s game against Ireland? No, not, not coming through. Um, you, look at both, you look at both countries and this is as good as it gets for Scotland. And I think it's, it's, this is a pretty good side and I think they're getting better and probably will get better again. But the, there's no cavalry on the, on the hillside, whereas for Ireland, I mean, the cavalry fills the hillside. Um, so Ireland just in the most spectacularly good place, the best place Irish rugby has ever been in in terms of the national team, no question. Um, I think they'll go on and win the Grand Slam. So I think for Scotland, you know, it's, it's dispiriting, even though they put a lot of good stuff into the game, and if they beat Italy with a bonus point next week, they'll almost certainly finish third, which will represent progress. But against Ireland, the gap the gap is still huge, and we've got this World Cup game coming up. And I'm not sure I'm not sure Scotland truly believe that they're good enough to beat this Irish team. They they've they've conquered the hoodoo of winning in Wales, <clears throat> excuse me, under Gregor Townsend. They've conquered winning in Twickenham after 38 years without doing it. They've conquered Paris after 22 years without a win. The big bogeyman is Ireland now. And I I don't think they're that much closer to turning over Ireland when Ireland are on song. And Ireland are always on song these days. There's very, very few chinks of light, even when you have a 35-year-old prop playing hooker <laughs> and you have an open-side flanker thrown into the line-out still, still there's this steel and this extraordinary winning machine just cranks it up another gear. Uh, Tom, there was a moment uh, that I noticed in the second half where Johnny Sexton kicks either a conversion or a penalty and turns around to the crowd and kind of gives it a little little smirk because he clearly was not getting maybe the silence and respect that kickers ordinarily get. We have a comment in this morning on the YouTube from, from Neil Smith. He says, lads, I don't know what you think, but the Scots were infuriating. The crowd jeering our kicks and mistakes, hog, etc., shoving players in the sideline, just childish stuff. What was it like at Murrayfield? Did you get that sense that there was a bit of shithousery from the no, Scots? No, I didn't. I didn't. I thought for, like, for the, for the, for the first half, I think everyone was so engrossed in it that they forgot to kind of Shout and roar! I thought it was kind of quiet for for a lot of it, um, and I don't know the Sexton. Like you know, let's be honest, kickers don't mind. Sexton has been around forever. Yeah, does he? There's a matter of damn to him if a crowd boos or stays silent. I don't think it does. I really don't think it does. I think he'd probably prefer the noise. Um, so it gets him going. You know, it fires him up. Uh, competitive juices and all that. Um, I think it's just a cut and thrust. There was a bit of needle between the players um, at various times, a couple of late shots on both sides. But no, I didn't, I didn't get any sense that this was a really intimidating Murrayfield I think, at uh, all. I think Hogg turned around and celebrated when the try got scored. But Jack Conan did exactly the same thing mm-hmm. when somebody got tackled into it. It's, it's, you know, we, yeah. it's definitely a lot of green-tinted glasses going, oh, they're very <laughs> mean to us. I'm like, yeah, they should be. It's a big game. Yeah, Let them out of yeah it's it's a it's a big game, and if there's a bit and there's a lot of a lot of emotion involved in it. Um, so if someone turns around to somebody else um, and points the finger after the score, like you know, 
let's not let's not make a big deal of it. Well, I, I, I agree. I think that, and I think you're dead right too. There's there's a lot of um, nonsense about uh, the quiet for the kicker, which uh, ah yeah yeah like, like a snooker player. Well, the pub's being shushed. Shut up. <laughs> Come on. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> well, that's I, ridiculous. I, I, you know, I mean, Limerick. When I was on the on the Irish rugby beat, you know. You go to a Munster game and then you go into Miles Breen's bar in Limerick, the middle of Limerick, eight hours later, and the match would be, be played on the big screen at 11 o'clock at night. And and the, the whole pub will be calling for quiet for Rogers' penalty. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's a bit. I, I, I acknowledge <laughs> that there's a commitment to the bit there that I'm in favour of. And if, and if you had the temerity, temerity to talk while Rogers was kicking, Eight hours after the match was over, you were in big trouble. In the it bar. sounds like you were chatting away there, Tom. <laughs> I was showing, I was showing total disrespect. <laughs> Personal experience. <laughs> uh, look, we're 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 trying to get like we're get, we're getting to that point now. Where we're allowing ourselves to be carried away as supporters mm. of a thing that's a really beautiful thing that's unfolding before ourselves, and I, that's the whole point. I keep making the point on the show. Mm. The whole point about sport is you're supposed to love it. <laughs> like you're supposed to love it. We have a, we have a team that is fully deserving of all the love that we have. Totally, they're an awesome team. Um, as I said, a winning machine. They've beaten all comers in the last twelve months. Um, we've only, for all the successes as a, as a rugby nation, we've only ever won three Grand Slams. Um, and none of them in Dublin. So this is a massive, massive opportunity. I, admittedly, again, Andy Farrell said this post-match against a, a, an England team that's hurting big time. Um, but a hurting England, I still don't think they beat a switched-on Ireland. I actually don't even think they come all that close to beating a switched-on Ireland. And the professionalism, we talk about all the class and the nous and the leadership, and the depth, but the professionalism in this Irish squad is off the scale as well. So the notion, you know, the country can go mad, great, why wouldn't we? Um, we know that the players in the management team are going to have their, their feet so much on the ground, they may as well be cemented um, in, cart- in the grounds of Carton House this week. I think they're, they're just ruthless and... I'd be, I'd fall off my chair if they didn't close the deal on the weekend. You, you, f- you feel like Tom, they're psychologically brilliant as well. But there, there's even a moment in the second half when Fagerson, I think it was for Scotland, hits a comically bad forward pass, and the two teams yeah. go into two respective huddles. And I think Donald Lenehan mentioned on, on the commentary as well that the body language of the two huddles was drastically different, and and, and that was something yeah, that, yeah. that really stood out. Uh, yeah, I think I think after you know. Th- there was this leading up when midway, sorry, about 55 minutes in, uh, a number of things happened that were, Scotland changed their props and their, their two props were really, really good. And I still think there was plenty of juice left in the tank, but the Ch- Townsend changed them. I think that was a mistake. And then the first scrum after that, with Healy playing hooker, Ireland won a penalty. Um, I think that was a big moment. Psychologically, I think that was a big moment. Because a couple of minutes later, um, James Lowe scored. And I think if that wasn't lights out for Scotland psychologically, the fact that Ireland scored again very soon after, a couple of minutes after with Conan, and that's just after the hour mark. And at that point, you're looking at Scotland, and I think the body language is we're a beaten team here. We don't believe we can get back into this. They tried. They tried their hearts out. But the message I was getting from them 
um, just looking at them, was we can't beat this Ireland team. And that is, obviously that was damaging on the day, but it has has spin-off effect for, for the World Cup. I think Ireland have got into Scotland's head over the last seven, eight matches now and have done untold psychological damage. Damage that most other teams in the world haven't done to Scotland. In fact, Scotland have done it to them by going on, you know, winning big matches. But this Ireland team is, is different gravy. Hopefully they can do it against South Africa for us and uh, we win the group and avoid <laughs> France. <laughs> Tom? That's where, when, when is the World Cup World Cup chat going to start, lads? I, mean, I, think, like, I think we started three years ago, yeah, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> Great to have you with us. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers, lads. All the best. Cheers, Tom. Uh, Tom English there uh, giving us the view uh, from Scotland this morning. It's a minute past nine. OTBIM is live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Kenny, Arsenal. Arsenal had a real deal. Uh, like a bit of a come down after that interview. I really enjoyed that interview. <laughs> yes, I've got to be honest with you. Yeah, I haven't enjoyed an interview for so uh, for so long. Yeah, that was spot on, wasn't it? Oh, you've you've seen many interviews. What was, was so good about it? Like, yeah. Give us a yeah, give us your uh, immediate notes. No, I was loving it. He's excited. We're excited. It. Everything that he uh, said, like yeah, yeah, it was amazing. They, it was sorry, that on the, he mentioned uh, the James Low try, and there's a number of comments coming in about Luke Pearson's refereeing in the game yesterday. But there was there was moments in that low try move where Scotland could have had a couple of yellow cards. The Senegal play, and it was almost like you get punished. Yeah, you get punished for continuing you the do, move. You do get punished. But you I, could I, get a penalty try with an automatic conversion. They, I, they, I don't know. Is there a, like a double jeopardy thing? There's frequently, whenever we would have in the past. Uh, been constantly so against New Zealand it happened a couple of times you're actually better conceding the try than not conceding the try because then you don't get the yellow card in the 10 minutes in the sin bin and the penalty try yeah. do you know what I mean you're, at the end of a long period of play it's better to allow the other team to score yeah. in some ways because the referee is more than likely going to give you a yellow card although it's hard to know have they stopped giving yellow cards do they not exist anymore well, Luke Pierce didn't want to give any out yesterday which was I don't know strange yeah, I thought the referee just was was questionable at at, uh, at a number of times during the match. It doesn't matter now, obviously, but I think it's interesting when he so- speaks about like the scar in there that Scottish team like psychologically going into the World Cup. I've never been one for you know people roll out stats. Oh, they haven't beat this team for so long and such. It's got to be in their heads. You think, oh yeah, pinch of salt. It's a new game. It's a different time. Mm. You know what I mean? But you know, as Tom was explaining there, uh, by the time the World Cup comes around, it's only going to be what a couple of months since that. Or his performance at Murrayfield, same kind of group of yeah. players, like you know, what not I mean? many competitive games, yeah, really. Yeah, That's but I think that would be fresh. Those kind of uh, those experiences that those Scottish players would have felt being toe to toe with that Irish team, that they'll, they'll still be fresh in their in their heads as much as trying mm. park that to the side, which we all try and do. It's a, oh, all right, lads, it's a new day, <laughs> it's a new game. Quite, you know what I mean? It, it's it's got to be that doubt has got to be there. That yeah. doubt has got to be there in their minds and. Yeah, and you're looking for a chink. You're looking for Ireland to open up and show you something when that game comes around again. But this Ireland team, like his Tom was saying there, it's just absolutely machine. Mm. Absolute mentality monsters. I'm going to use the word with the Irish well rugby team. Someone pressed Woo! my arm. Used before, it must have been. It must be. Let's take it off, Liverpool. Let's take it off the Reds. And let's attach it to the Ireland rugby team. Mentality Home monsters. Forward. I mean, like that is the very definition of what they're doing. Ah, 100%. But you'd wonder what happened to Scots. This is the country that produced Robert the Bruce and William Wallace. And have you seen Train Spotting? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we, could, we couldn't even get colonised by somebody decent. <laughs> that speech, you know, it's more they're more Irving Welsh's version of uh, 
Let's not get into the uh, Nicola Sturgeon replacement sweepstakes no. conversation. We can save that for our politics pod. Uh, right, we should <laughs> talk about Arsenal though. Mentality monsters. Go on the Arsenal. <laughs> we, we, we probably don't talk enough about them. The last minute winners, right? Yeah. When at the end of the season and the comeback against yeah. Villa, at the end of the season when they look back on these things, like the team plays really badly and coughs up goals and uh, so pre-master talking, I'm talking about the Villa game here, pre-master like, don't let Ollie Watkins get one-on-one down that side. He's going to do damage to you. And then Ollie Watkins does that and they're like, ooh, that thing that we practiced, we're not very good at. But they still come back from it. And now yeah. the cavalry's coming back in terms of yeah. players coming back from injury and the bench was really strong. There's just yeah. a bit of the season where you're thinking... I think you're right. I think that mojo is, is back. They lost it there for, for, that, for, for a small period of the time. Maybe you say understandably Partey came out of the team at that time, didn't he? Giorgino came back in, lost a little bit of rhythm, kind of fluency to their play. And yeah, Villa put it up to him, absolutely. Found a way to win. Probably the Leicester game as well. I covered uh, the week after that. Not at the best there mm. at all in that game. Thought Leicester left them off the hook. They were desperately disappointed. But even still, got through that back-to-back uh, wins. That was This was off the back of the defeat yeah. uh, to Manchester City up uh, potential wobble. But obviously seemed to have found their confidence again uh, since then. And that game yesterday at Fulham, I mean, that game, Jared was thinking, oh, potential banana skin here. You know, Fulham mm. are absolutely no mugs this season in terms of how well they've been set up by their manager and Arsenal just kind of well, seemed to anyway brush them aside in that first half and it seems to be back the magic the mojo is back there and if they can tap into that between now and the end of the season I think I think they'll win it there's no doubt about that because when they're playing to that level which they were for the majority of the first half Shane it was, mm. it was hugely impressive what they were doing given what's given what's available right it's two all in the sporting game heading into the second leg I'm not saying you throw it right but do you just you like, can't throw it do you just not do the same level of effort do you just not pick Chance for trophy, Jer. But but there's I a champion. Right, there's, there's a there's a champions of England. If if they play this game, there's going to be uh, is that round of last sixteen? Round of last sixteen. Mm. So there's still quarterfinals, semi-finals to go. Too there are suspensions. Each, yeah. There's like uh, players being dropped who are pissed off. I think it. you're right. No, I think you're right. And he'll never come out and say it publicly, Arteta. He'll never even admit it to the dressing room to any players. But I'm sure. I'm sure he'd, even, he'd probably have those conversations with, with, with his uh, trusted kind of lieutenants within the confines in the manager's room or whatever in terms of, right, at this moment in the season, mm. what do we need to prioritise? What are you seeing in terms of injuries, certain players? And I, I think you're absolutely right. Will he put the U-team out against Barton next? Of course he won't. But in key areas of the pitch, it only takes one or two small, slight adjustments. Oh, hello, Saka's on the bench. That's an interesting... Uh, one tonight maybe Saliba you know just key players and one or two areas of pitch where he's thinking just need to protect these a little bit like, you're right I think the focus shifts but I don't know Joe I got a sense of like uh, prior to the, the, the league game last week Bournemouth mm. yeah he, he took a couple he took a couple out against uh, Bournemouth I thought he'd go double strong uh, Bournemouth and and weaken it a little bit in terms of the sport a bit like you were saying there I thought it was a, it was a, it was an occasion for right let's really focus prioritise but I, I just got a bit of a sense of and he's a bit like that Arteta understandably so maybe get a bit greedy I could do both here Yes, we can win the league, but a yeah. league and a well, and a European trophy as well. Well, that's like that's taken it to a well, you do keep another level. You do so you do. I think that that competitive edge, that mm. kind of drive, which he has a lot of the elite managers, y'all kind of have it. They're not happy. I'm not actually. Let, let's yeah. do both. Could they get Man United in the quarterfinals? That's I think they can. Right. Uh, so there's no no yeah, Juventus are there as well. Like there's, some, there's some good teams left in the Europa and look, League. Maybe that's what you know. But here's the other side of that. 
like uh, the great team of 99 mm. of Arsenal was a really brilliant team but they got crushed by the Giggs goal in the cup <laughs> like that had a massive psychological setback for them that season yeah. and do you just think that like you're, I think you're, one one can complement the other Jeff. It's, 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 okay. it's not as easy as to say we need to no, concentrate on, what, on one or the other it's like a yeah exactly like, and I think it depends on, on the time the dressing room the players the buzz that's where I think a manager has to be very intuitive in that kind of situ- situation logic is a dictate I just prioritise the league you know Let's row in behind that completely. But it's not but, so straightforward. Yeah, but he might feel as if, now hold on, the, the, the buzz we're getting from this Europa League, the lads are really kind of buying. One's confident. We're on, you know, train journey here. It's all, it's all good. Let's keep the whole forward momentum going rather than give up that competition. Now, all, all of a sudden, there's a bit of a hangover yeah. from that bit of disappointment that you've come out of that, and that suddenly starts to affect mm-hmm. the league form as well. So, yeah, it is very interesting, Ali. Before they play Man City at home, which is the game everyone's looking at on April 26th, they have Palace at home, Leeds at home. Liverpool away, granted. West Ham away and Southampton at home. Like before they play City, they could be, they could be eight to ten points right clear, well. couldn't they? So, yeah. And the international break in the middle, where they'll just keep yeah. fingers crossed that everybody comes back alive. Um, one final point: Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. I don't know what he was doing. Um, I, I don't know why they picked him for that game. What was his relevance for the Arsenal Palace game? It doesn't have to be an Arsenal or a Palace play. You're not one of these, like... Well, it's just he's no, not one of the regular guys. no history with the football well, club. So <laughs> what does he know about that Arsenal team? Neutral How could he possibly commentate and offer oh, an opinion We've touched, we've touched a sore point here, have we? God sake. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. So predictable. And he didn't play for Arsenal. Or normally, so normally what they good do point, is Shane. they good have point. a regular and they Wouldn't have Wouldn't be able to earn a living, to be fair, if that was the case. <laughs> I couldn't pitch him and commentate in any you, Premiership you, game, to be honest. Wimbledon don't even exist. They don't even exist anymore the teams I play for Birmingham do <laughs> <laughs> Birmingham's in turmoil bless him yeah. oh dear championship uh, anyway championship. footballer of the year Bakaya Saka was what he said pretty much agree or disagree um, oh he's up there he's up there level of uh, performance consistent high level performance job yeah phenomenal there's yeah, a Norwe- Norwegian there. striker there scoring goals for fun that might have an I'll issue say he is in the top three uh, Saka Without a doubt, he's in the conversation. Without a doubt. Even his numbers, Joe, his numbers now are getting... Initially, when he came in, you could see the qualities which he had. But his numbers went there. You know what I'm talking about? What are you laughing at? What's he laughing at? Who am I? <laughs> oh, sorry, Jay. Jay, excuse me. He hasn't called me Owen yet. But yeah, in terms of... In ter- where did, wait, is he ever coming back? Is he ever coming he's back? He's, he's where Pat- is he? He's in Patagonia. He's, he's in Patagonia. Spotted? He's, in Patagonia. Spotted? Yeah. he's in Patagonia. He's on, he's on Instagram. That would be a good reason for you to get a smartphone <laughs> so you can follow him on Instagram. Hitchhiking. Hitchhiker's guy to Galaxy. That's all I want to know. Don't want to go too deep on it. Is he all right? We were all a bit worried. He's in a good place. He's in a good place. I presume he is. But mentally I'm talking about like your rugby team. He's a mentality monster from Kerry. He was hitchhiking. Uh, down to Patagonia and was off for about the out of coverage for about 24 hours there was definitely concern oh there was but he's fine again it's okay yeah, yeah. Popped his head. Yeah, and he is yeah. coming back he is going to return we hope so see the uh, emeralds <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, hopefully he's mentality monster he'll have a big beard and bushy hair and a bit of more a forest rounded, more ra- rounded approach to life and yeah, 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 yeah that holistic that's, uh, holistic yeah speaking yeah. like Brandon Rogers yeah 100% I just got to a kibbutz like, like anybody else for about a month did you go to a kibbutz no no, no, I couldn't have done that. 
Would you have ever done the, the, what was the dark room I was talking about one day on Around the World? Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Aaron Rodgers was doing the darkness meditation, where you go into a dark room for three days and just sit in the complete pitch, pitch black for, for three days and be alone with your thoughts and you start to hallucinate. No that's moments. What, that's why I thought where Jurgen Klopp was, funny enough, I recommended after. Bright, remember the Bright performance some time ago, that was all time low. I felt as if that's what he needed to do in terms of oof, whether he needed to, the dark you know, room. yeah, just kind of go within himself and have I got it within myself to kind of put this whole thing back together again and go again, kind of rebuild that type of thing. Have I got it in me? I mean, obviously got a bit serious there, but... 40 days and 40 nights in the desert is the old day. Now it's our telescoped environment. You can do it in three days and come out the other side and you're the Messiah again, in Aaron Rodgers' case. Or in Klopp's. 13 minutes past nine. That took a turn. Uh, OTBAM live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night edition available now. Here's what's on the OTB podcast network for you. Brian Kerr talking about Man United's nil-all draw with Southampton. Sunday pay-per-view with Dion Fanning and Fionn Davenport. And Keen Healy reflecting on Ireland's win where he came off the bench to play hooker and did a really, really good job. You can follow Off the Ball across our social channels and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network. After this short break, Sarah Dunham is on the line talking hurling. You're listening to OTB AM. Right, we've all been desperately trying to work out why the league is important or which of the storylines that are emerging in the Allianz Hurling League have been important. Sarah Donovan is with us this morning to try and sift through to find the nuggets of gold. Sarah, good morning to you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I think there were some nuggets of gold, Jer, actually. I, I enjoyed Parky Keeve yesterday, um, despite the fact that Cork were losing for the majority until the 63rd minute uh, when Cork Mosan got the goal. Wexford we're going to always react after that pummeling that they took from Clare. So I suppose there was a bit of naivety on Cork's part. They started really slowly. Uh, they were overpassing the ball. I remember a few weeks ago, I was talking to you about Kilkenny and how, I suppose, um, unlike Kilkenny, they were against Tipperary, you know, in, indecisive, uh, poor decision-making. Cork were like that yesterday in the first half. And Before we get on to Wexford, because I, I know there's definitely bits there that we need to talk about. What do you think was the reason for that? I, again, a shuffle of the deck, new players in. Uh, Podrick Power was in full forward, really liked the look of him. Um, Cormac Bosan came on and got the goal at the end to win it. Uh, last week, Pat Ryan sent his players back to the clubs. Um, and I know that Paul Murphy and James Skettle were wondering last week on the Hurling Pod whether w- was it to do with a kind of a backlog and were Cork trying to be helped out. But I think Pat Ryan was looking to give his players a bit of confidence having done a training block. And it worked out because Cormac Boskang scored one twelve last week for Middleton in their win over Bishopstown. And he comes on yesterday fresh and he's barely on the pitch and he gets the goal. And I think that's the difference in Cork this year, that Pat is able to tweak the players and, and give them confidence um, week on, week on. Wasn't easy against a, a, that Wexford defensive setup either, Sarah. Like you look at Jim O'Keefe and Cal Dunbar being used as sweepers. <laughs> Did, yeah, it was is, is it good very, to watch? Very- yeah, it was very, very congested. Um, Matthew O'Hanlon was back there as well. I think if Matthew O'Hanlon hadn't gone off injured, I don't know if Cork would have got the goal because there was so much little space inside there. But um, having shipped, what, 6.25 against Clare, you know, Wexford were always going to do something a little different. Mm. And, and it worked for them for the majority. Yeah, I think from their perspective, OK, they lose the game and it's a late goal that catches them. Uh, they're going to feel a little bit happier about this defeat than they did about the Clare one. So the uh, reports of their demise have been greatly exaggerated. 
Oh, well, I'd look. Chin returns yesterday and Lee Chin gave an exhibition yesterday. He ghosted around that field. Some of the, some of the free taking was sublime um, and some of his points from play, but real pressure situations. The issue was that Cork actually couldn't get a handle on him. So Cork obviously were trying to hold their structure. Kieran Joyce was trying to sit at six and it was just, the I'd say the energy that he took trying to get people to pick Chin up because Chin kept dropping off and coming back in. A bit like Tony Kelly. And it showed on the scoreboard, Chin, you know, he, he ran the show for Wexford. So, uh, are Wexford feeling, uh, notwithstanding the fact that the psychological blow at the end of the game, are they feeling pretty good about life in the aftermath of this, that they got their players back, they had a defined pattern of play, and so from, you know, we're sifting for gold here, uh, come the Leinster round robin, because I think we were all assuming that they were going to be fodder if the Clare form was a form line. That's not the case, and... Uh, nobody's going to look forward to facing them. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think Dublin Kilkenny, which we'll get on to later, uh, I, I think that Wexford have the measure of Kilkenny and I think they'd fancy themselves against Dublin playing the way they played against Cork yesterday. So they've certainly shifted the mindset in terms of what they can do in the Leinster Championship this year. The All-Ireland Championship is a different scenario, but certainly... I think from from a Leinster Championship point of view, they'll be much happier after this game than they were, say, two weeks ago. But four injuries again yesterday. Conor McDonald had to go off as well. They're having no luck with injuries. None whatsoever. Well, we'll wait and see what the bulletin is like in terms of the prognosis for it. Um, I know Davy Fitzgerald in the aftermath of the Waterford game was talking about the series of injuries that they have and how the hamstrings are likely to keep players out of at least the opening rounds and potential rounds of Munster, so their defeat to Tipperary wasn't just uh, on the scoreboard; it was psychological as well. Yeah, I look Tip. I, I think Nash spoke last week about getting goals, and and they did. Um, Jake Morris a great hat trick, but you know what? He's coming off the end of some great running from the likes of Dan McCormack, a real clever play from the likes of Bonner Mar. Tips intelligence off the ball and their willingness to break the line and their off the ball, off the shoulder running sets them apart and Watford didn't have an answer for that on Saturday night. You mentioned Kilkenny, Sarah. Like, was it a dis- it appeared to be a, a disappointing Dublin performance. They kind of maybe didn't do themselves justice in that game. Yeah, they, they had some bright shoots. Obviously, Donald Burke scored 11 points and some of his scores were outstanding. Uh, Keane Boland had some great late scores. Paul Crummy got a great goal. But structurally, it looked like men against boys. And I think we spoke about a couple of weeks ago about Dublin needing to put on that bulk. Mm. And the Kilkenny players that have come back in, like lads, Owen Cody two years ago did not look like the man that he is now. Like he's put on that bulk and, and he was in corner forward yesterday. And his positioning, he made those two goals that he get, got yesterday look really easy. But his positioning is top class and he, he ends up with 2-2. You know, a real statement of intent for the new Kilkenny captain. Uh, I was sticking with Kilkenny then for a while um, we, we were wondering how long it was going to take and I, I think that you know we'll decide after the round robin what kind of a job Derek Ling is doing but in terms of that sense of evolution you're beginning to see some stuff and I guess in fairness to him he hasn't had the full deck to deal with for much of the campaign and still doesn't have the full full deck yeah, I like Richie Reid coming back in made made a massive difference, and I was wondering whether Padraig Walsh would would survive if 
if Reid comes back in. But Walsh yesterday was class. So I, I think there's definitely a place for both of them in the team. Whereas last year, Cody didn't have a place for Walsh. So certainly uh, very interested to see how Ling is using Walsh this year. Um, outside of that, Drennan, um, Billy Ryan, John Donnelly. Like John Donnelly was probably playing the role that TJ Reid will inevitably play. So Ling certainly can be very happy with yesterday's performance and much crisper uh, delivery of the pass, much quicker delivery of the pass. They just look very workmanlike yesterday and, and their general play was was very clean. Uh, the, the speed at which the games are being played at the moment and the pitches they're being played on and just the general weather, like the weather at the end of April, not great either. The weather in May can be good, can be bad. Like the traditional summer hurling championship fair, Munster hurling that we would have traditionally associated with the All-Ireland Championship, you have to get through a slog of pitches and still be good when the weather picks up. It's kind of a weird season now. It is. And yesterday there was a real struggle on both sides, Cork and Wexford. The conditions were very, very tough. And a couple of complaints about the slitter as well. Um, I actually met Anthony Nash coming out of the pitch yesterday and he said the slitter. Now you can ask him on Friday, but like I, I felt the players weren't striking the, the, the slitter as well as they ordinarily would. So I think they'd have a couple of complaints about that now, having, having seen yesterday's performances in that wet um, in that wet field. And it's the teams that are able to best deal with it. And the teams that are a bit more physical, like Tip Saturday night against Waterford, are probably the teams that will do well in those kind of heavier underfoot conditions. So if you have the bulk and you have the, the physicality to get through April, you'll do well in May. In Limerick, they were killing the fatted calf. The prodigal sons are back. <laughs> uh, it was against Westmead. The definition of off-Broadway, and that's not being mean to Westmead, but in the second half, Westmead actually um, put in a great performance and they drew the second half. But obviously the game was, was uh, well out of reach in the first half. But Aaron Glan is back. Uh, a couple of other players coming back from injury and everything seems to be now pointing towards them having a full deck to deal with yeah. come summer. Yeah, well, Dermot Burns was back in yesterday, scored two points from wing back, very comfortable, was taken off, but that wasn't because he was playing badly or anything. Um, Gillan got his score late on. Shane, you'll be delighted. It, it, it was a volley. It wasn't a half volley. No, definite it was a volley. volley. Yeah, yeah. It was a definite volley. Fact. But a bit of showboating out of him. I liked it. You know, he just, he, he said, I'm back. And uh, I think Limerick need that. Um, I, I missed him. Uh, for the last few games but as I said to you earlier Seamus Flanagan definitely missed him his his scoring averages were way down so it'll be interesting to see now he how he plugs back in and whether he'll be used fully in the last game Yeah I mean like at training in Limerick it's going to be fairly savage given that the, they have got a bunch of young players who are on the fringes of the team as opposed to in previous years they might have been on the fringes of the panel Yeah like if you look at the likes of Shane O'Brien Don Lodalic uh, Adam English and now you've, you know, they're going to head to head with the likes of Galan, Keen Lynch, Seamus Flanagan. <laughs> I would love to be on that sideline watching that training session because there will be skin and hair flying. No, no doubt, because those boys aren't going to let the young lads come in and, you know, steal their thunder. It, it's killer, killer. For me, that was the big story of the weekend, to be honest. Like, notwithstanding the fact that uh, Wexford are actually, again, and it'll be interesting seeing Will's power rankings, what the changes are, but uh, that Limerick. Uh, you know, we need to get worried about this. Yeah, but I, I, look, I, I said the only thing that will stop Limerick is themselves and, and that, that discipline. And if you look at Waterford on Saturday night, Jamie Barron gets sent off. 
they've had a red card, I think, in, in every game, bar one where there was two yellows, but they've essentially lost a player and played without a player in every game. And they were very efficient against Tipperary in the first, say, 40, 50 minutes. But if they keep, you know, if their discipline um, pulls players out of the game and, and makes them weaker, I think Limerick could have the same issue. Like, that's that's the only thing that's going to catch them is their discipline. And the sending off of Kyle Hayes impacted them against Westmead, nothing. But mm. it could have a big impact down the line in a Munster Championship game if they lose a player. And I, I think that's the only way that Limerick can be got. Yeah. All right. Sarah, we'll leave it there for now. Good stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. That's Sarah Dunham giving us a reflection on the weekend's hurling. John Duggan is at Cheltenham, where uh, tomorrow is the big day. John, good morning to you. How are you? Good, lads. Jer, Shane and Kenny, how's the form? Oh, yeah, all good. good. How's your form? Great, yeah. Slept well, slept like a baby, and ready for the marathon. How many years in a row is this now, John? Well, obviously, I missed the COVID year because we weren't allowed to go in, uh, was it two years ago? But this is my 21st year. Jeez. The um, we were talking about the weather. Uh, the weather has been cat here. What's the weather like there? Stormy, uh, lashing rain all through the night. Soft ground, folks. Soft ground horses all week. It's going to rain a bit more apparently today and on Thursday. It's going to be a deluge as well. So, look, if if you're back to horses at Leopardstown at Christmas or Punchestown and Ferry House in December, all of those races were run on soft ground. So I wouldn't be too worried if you're looking at the forum book, but you need to have soft ground horses, horses with stamina in their profile on your side this week because it's going to be a wintry week in March. Uh, that is like unusual. There's been good ground at Cheltenham like predominantly maybe eight out of the last 10 years, right? Yes, 2018, uh, we had the Beast from the East that year was heavy ground. But generally, Jerry, yes, it's good, good to soft ground at Cheltenham. The, dry, the ground dries out quickly here, but... With the rain coming, we saw on the Wednesday last year there was it was desperate conditions when it was a rain all day. But I think there's going to be rain consistently, and although the ground can dry out, it'll be cold as well. So you're looking at horses that appreciate a bit of giving the ground. Yeah, Kenny's uh, making a face here. Cold and wet. No oh, thanks. It's tough go. It's tough go. Well, you could be hurling. You could be hurling in that weather. It could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> could be worse. But John Kenny was uh, predicting a, an absolute slaughtering at the Aviva Stadium this weekend, and. Feels like the Presbury Cup is going to be a similar slaughtering. It could be a good week for the Irish. I'd expect so. There hasn't been a UK winning year since 2015, lads. So six wins for Ireland and a tie. And really, to be honest, it's become almost punch-a-sound away. This festival in recent years, last year you had 18 Irish winners out of 28 races, the year before 23. I was looking all through the odds last night, and of the 28 races this year, there's 19 Irish favourites. Like William Mullins last year had 10 winners, more than the whole of the English Challenge. The year before that, Rachel Blackmore had more winners as a jockey than the English Challenge. So I'd expect it to be more of the same. William Mullins has got a huge arsenal. Gordon Elliott is confident about his chances. Henry de Bramhead has got the Gold Cup winner and the, and the Champion Hurdle winner, although Honeysuckle is going to the Maris Hurdle this year. So um, racing can always throw up surprises, but on the law of averages and on the basis of what we're seeing in terms of the form, I'd expect Ireland to have probably between 15 and 20 winners this week. This is the end of, of Honeysuckle, really. It's her, her last hurrah with Rachel Blackmore, we expect. Yes, that's tomorrow in the Maris Hurdle, which is a competitive race. Like, Honeysuckle had never lost a race in her life before this season, Jer. She lost the Hatton's Grace Hurdle. She was third in that and then second behind Stateman in the Irish Champion Hurdle. And the reason why she's not going for the Champion Hurdle this year is you've got this, and they say this in the nicest possible way, a freak of a horse in Constitution Hill who has won every single race under rules and never by less than 12 lengths. And this horse looks like the best hurdler possibly since Sisterbrack. State man is going to put it up to him tomorrow for William Mullins, but 
Constitution Hill, who was bought by Barry Garrity as a six-month-old foal, is really the, the, the horse that everybody wants to see, and it'll be tomorrow at half three in the champion hurdle. That's why Honeysuckle's going for a retirement in the mayor's race. But it's a competitive race as well, but hopefully the horse and, uh, will come back safely with Henry de Bromhead and all will be good, you know. Uh, Davy Russell, uh, Tom Brady came back from retirement. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, did, did okay. Davy Russell is Ireland's Tom Brady. What's your there's expectation? For, What's his... Um, ho- go on. There's hope for us 40-somethings, Jar. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, not, lads. You're over the hill. Forget about it. Benjamin Button, what? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Davy Russell, 25 Chatham winners. Like, he retired just before Christmas, but Jack Kennedy broke his leg. So uh, Gordon Elliott, his trainer, is going to rely on experience. and Nobody knows Davy better. Uh, around here in terms of the veteran jockeys. So 25 winners at Cheltenham. Uh, I'd expect him to be in the winner's enclosure a few times this week. But also look at Jordan Gainford because Jordan's an up-and-coming jockey for Gordon Elliott. He might have a winner or two as well. Okay. And then the, the last thing, the Gold Cup, it's uh, Willie Mullins, Galloping Deschamps is the favourite. But last year's winner, Plutard, is coming back as well. Yeah, so Plutard hasn't run since November when he disappointed in Haydock. Uh, he was pulled up. He, he ran no sort of race, a lifeless race. But... Um, if he's back to his best, he won the race by 15 lengths last year under Rachel Blackmore. Uh, we have Gallop on Deschamps. This horse could gallop probably from Cheltenham to Ireland. He's that kind of the way he runs his races. So he's a seven-year-old improver. Uh, he won very well at the John Durkin Chase in December. He won that at Leopardstown. Um, he jumps well. He travels well. He's won at the festival before. He's got a favourites chance. Brave Man's Game is the big, big English hope, the uh, King George winner uh, at Christmas. So... Look, you've got the three of them and then you've all the stairs. And in this soft ground over three and a quarter miles with a hill, it takes a bit of getting. So feel, there's this, this horse is like Statler, Noble Yates that might come into the equation. Do you feel pressure on weeks like this, John, or do you get to enjoy it? Because I know a lot of people are almost relying on you to, to maybe win a couple of quid, people who don't ordinarily gamble the rest of the year. I often enjoy it when I'm having my first drink on the Friday night at the airport uh, if I'm ahead. And if I'm not ahead and I'm getting all the stick, then it's not as pleasurable. <laughs> no, I could imagine. You need two drinks. Stick, stick, no crack. Come here. Uh, is, there, is there a Cheltenham hat? I, I noticed something's slightly yeah, missing there. Absence. Well, I didn't bring the big hat. I didn't bring the, because maybe, I don't know whether I'm superstitious or something. I've got a woolly hat because it's a woolly hat week. So the woolly hat's in the pocket, but I'm actually standing up now. So if I put it, my, put it in my head right now, I'd probably lose the connection. So um, <laughs> they've, they've got fedoras. They've got, what I'll probably do, you know what, you know what I'm going to do? Because racing's going this way. I'm going to buy a Peaky Blinders cap. Hey. Oh, I'm gonna wear it. Go for you it. Know, uh, Stetson, uh, John. Uh, go to Stetson. Go to Stetson. I'll, I'll have all the lingo for you folks. The Peaky Blinders lingo. Oh, no, it's, time Wednesday get the Thursday brummy comes. accent out as well, yeah. All right, mate. <laughs> Looking forward to it, John. Best of luck. All right, lads. Thanks See a million. Job. JD live from Chatham every morning uh, here on OTBAM and across all of our social channels, of course, and on the radio on Off the Ball on Never seen as well. smiling so much, John. Hey, natural. He's loving, isn't he? His milieu. Footballers go to Chatham all the time, don't they? Oh, yeah. You must every year, no? Yeah. Cliche, cliche. Yeah, but I mean, did you, though? I did. I was dragged a bit. <laughs> so you did go? Dragged. I was a long day. Yeah. It's a long day. It is a long day. It is yeah. a long day. Bit of crack, though, no? It depends, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, if the if the wrong crowds, if you're yeah, the crowds important. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I didn't hang around too long. (laughs) You, you know, like dog racing. The dog racing. You prefer that? Yeah, better night. I thought. Yeah, in the standby, see, races come quicker. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to overthink the. the Wimbledon is a famous dog track. Wasn't there? Yeah, Wimbledon Dogs, yeah, yeah. yeah. Walthamstow as well. Down there's a few of them. Um, E17, Walthamstow. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, good show. Good show. It's very impressive with that. Oh, well, that was the name of the album. 
Oh, even more impressive. That was the album name. Well, it was and the, the band. Al- it was the album name because that's where they're from. Mastermind. It's not, you know. Yeah. Even still. I'm trying to pay you a compliment. I know, I know. If I'm, you don't I'm, accept I d- it, don't. I didn't know what to don't do. don't accept it, sorry. <laughs> I'm an Irish man. an Irish man. There you go. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, some news we didn't get to, obviously. Rory McIlroy missing the cut. Scotty Sheffer won the players back to world number one. Rui should a little John injured moment after coming off for Aston Villa. Still... Do we know exactly how bad the injury is? Or Okay, we'll wait and see what the crack is. And obviously, Rashida Adelecki should definitely have been in green oh, this morning. Do you see the quotes from Michael Johnson? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. No, like, what did Johnson say? So Johnson's retweeted Pierce McCallaghan, who's a, a renowned Irish uh, athletics journalist, um, just retweeting the video of, of her running at the weekend in the 400 metres at the uh, NCAA TF in Albuquerque. And he retweeted and said, Give her advice, basically, Michael Johnson. Look out when she learns to use those arms. She's carrying them instead instead of using them to drive the legs. The difference is significant over 400. Helps increase speed and reduce fatigue. So, some free coaching for Michael Johnson. I would uh, seek him out and go, what do you mean? Yeah. We used show, to get, show me. We used yeah, to get coaches yeah. in there. Uh, uh, we used to play at legs. Coaches used to come in about our running uh, action. And that was always the big thing with mm, the lads. The arms. In terms of the arm motion. But it's absolutely hilarious. Like, you see, so, just go back into your old mode. As soon as the balls came out, little kind of five aside, it was like <laughs> Jimmy Johnson style. <laughs> so he's saying basically she's carrying the arms instead of really using the arms for yeah for a bit of uh, momentum. You were you a runner? Uh, uh, cross country? Did you not do cross yeah, country? More, yeah, I could keep going. Forest Gump, but yeah, I could Forest Gump, but yeah, but in terms Long of distance. Like speed, no, no pace, accelerate. Oh jeez, one pace. No. Oh god, no, no. Marathon. Have you ever done a marathon? No. Let myself down there, really. It's not too late now, Kenny. Is it, it, is. Still do it. is it, it too is, late? Yeah. yeah. Too late. For the knees. Too late. The knees and hips. Yeah, motivation as well. Motivation. Honest, <laughs> <you>? Yeah, motivation. <laughs> <laughs> not going to dress this up, anyway. To be honest. Couldn't get the physical honest. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, okay. We'll have a very busy show for you uh, tomorrow and all week, of course. Um, there's Cheltenham, there's Champions League, and there's everything else. It's a build up to Ireland, England to look forward to. Uh, uh, on tomorrow's show, Derek McNamara's stats breakdown, Willow Callan's hurling power rankings. Uh, we have John Duggan live on the first day of Cheltenham and plenty more besides. Right now, the best of the Sunday paper review. Have a terrific day, it says here. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.